0: Think about Tough Turf, turf. baby. <laughs> 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 Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Yay Martinez. Numbers. Important conversations. Part 2 Part 2 Part 2 for the month of, what are we in, May?
1: May. May. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month.
0: Awareness. <laughs> are you working on Are you working so, on it? Uh, some voice acting? You I'm be,
1: doing my voice acting. A,
0: a pussycat or some? What, what are you working on?
1: <laughs> That's like the list that, uh, what's his face? Samuel L. Jackson had in Kingsman.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, very good. Very good. And there's I, a new Kingsman uh, coming out. Did you, did you try out for that? There's, there's part a role two for you? is out
1: already. That's done.
0: Oh, I thought there was another part. They have a third one coming out? Okay, man. They but, should. Never mind. Never mind. They should. Uh, but hey, we have some special guests with us today. This is
1: the first Faces in the Crowd episode this year.
0: For those of you that don't remember what Faces in the Crowd is here on Beauty and the Beast Mode, that's where we pluck somebody from the crowd who is doing phenomenal things in their community, um, in their life, and we want to put that back out to the universe and share their story and uh, and their successes with everyone, you know, because uh, there are a lot of people out here doing great things that you don't hear about, and we want you to know about those people.
1: That's right. So we also have some other peeps with yep. us today. Who are you? The, the professor.
2: Yes. Uh, this is the caterer.
1: <laughs> that would be um, Cody, the caterer. Cody, the caterer. Cody the caterer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank
2: you. <laughs> Coco. I, I don't know what that was. Okay.
0: Little
1: economy. That's,
0: that is that his call sign? It's come to deliver something? <laughs> uh.
1: And uh, our yes. faces in the crowd.
3: Amanda Payne, the therapist. <laughs> nice. The therapist! She gave herself a name nice. already.
0: Yes. If you give yourself a name, that just means that you're going to come back several times. Yeah, now.
1: I love it. Just right, we got down.
0: The professor, we got the caterer, and now we got the therapist. The, the therapist. therapist. Give ourselves. So give to <laughs> I did. I'm ready. She's ready. She I came in ready. 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 <laughs> she came in ready. That's amazing. Well, thank you for being here, Amanda. Um, Thanks for having me. We wanted to continue the conversation that we started uh, on the first episode of this month. Right. Um, as it relates to mental health, and just kind of, we I think we talked a little bit about. Um, how we uh, leverage the resources that are available when it comes to mental health, um, like therapy and and things like that. Um, So we just want to continue that dialogue with a professional. Because, look, I'm not a professional.
1: That's right. That's right. Neither am
0: I. Well, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that I'm not a professional.
1: Neither am I. (laughs) It came a little late, but neither am I.
0: Uh, But before we get there, Jeff, how has your week been, man?
1: Uh, it's been a little strange What? Why, why is that? So, I'm going through some stuff health-wise And mm. I'm gimping around like I have a peg leg Ain't nobody gimping around So, I don't know what the deal is But tomorrow I'm going to the dock and getting it checked out Now yeah, you said you feel like you have a broken foot Yeah, when I move the foot or step on it Like, it feels like something's shifting underneath
0: It just came out of nowhere?
1: Out of nowhere, it started like a week ago Hmm. So, and it's just been getting worse and worse every day. So, hmm. But the thing that I'm happy about is we've spoken other times about me going after this voice actor stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was listening to Gary V. Have you heard of him? Have before? you heard of him? Have you heard of him? Have you heard of him? I've heard of him. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. And... I was wa- That's Cody's dude too, right? Yeah. yeah. I was watching one of his videos and on one of his videos he uh, he was talking about how when he was younger and he was going after something there were like 40 things and he did 37 out of the 40 things for free. Just to get his foot in the door, just to get Ooh. experience, just to get stuff under his belt. So I was sitting there thinking. Uh, I actually was talking to my wife, and I said, "In Saint Augustine, Florida, they have this school for the Is there deaf another and St. blind." Augustine? Pardon?
0: Is there another Saint Augustine? Only
1: oldest city in the nation. you say, Saint
0: Augustine, Florida? There are other Saint Augustines <laughs> in
1: the country. Yes.
0: Okay. All right.
1: The Saint Augustine. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah.
0: State, I heard. I knew. Love,
1: I knew where you were gonna go. It's a suburb of Omaha, St. Augustine, Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> so they have a school for the. I deaf was and, the A school for the deaf and blind there, and I said, "Oh, I would love Jeff." So ma- mad right now that we've interrupted him so bitch. many times. <laughs> so we were talking earlier, and the professor and Yayay and I were sitting there, and. The professor was trying to get a point across, and Yay just kept interrupting him. And I said, No. And I said, I know how you feel because he does it to me all the time on the podcast. And now we see that that is true, sir.
0: Come on now. But we were engaged in a conversation. I wasn't just cutting him off. Go Speak on it. Go ahead professor. I'm
4: trying to remember it accurately. All I know is you and I were engaged in a conversation He walked up. I tried to continue my point and then you both kept cutting me off <laughs> Wait, a
1: sec. Wait, I did not cut you off. I said excuse me quick, and then I said what I said and then I backed off uh, That's still cutting someone
4: off though.
1: Ooh. I did it nicely I guess cool. so st. Augustine, Florida School of the deaf and blind but after looking into it. I said oh, I wonder if they have some curriculum that they might need voice stuff for, for the blind kids. So looking at it, it's a state-run school, and it looks like all of their curriculum is given by the state. So I started the Google, Mm -hmm. and I Googled. That's how you know that they're watching you. Because I type in, what did I type in? VoiceOver, and all of a sudden it popped up VoiceOver for the blind. And I'm like, these pricks are tracking me. So it popped up with a, a few different things, and I contacted two nonprofits uh, that actually record, they have people record audiobooks for the blind. And I just, going back and forth a little bit, I'm just waiting to hear back. Yeah. To see if I can get on doing that. So
0: good on you, man. Yeah.
1: Good yeah. On you. I'm excited. Yeah. So, how about your week?
0: What um, is today? Thursday? Thursday. Um. Uh. So my past past couple weeks, I think since the last episode, um, I've been on the road a lot. Went did some things in D.C. And then I went to Chicago because my daughter graduated high school. Whoo! Telling me how you doing there, old fella? Man, you know. Well, here's the thing. Everybody keeps asking me, "What's she gonna do? What's she gonna do?" I'm like. Yeah, she's gonna 17. Oh. Yeah, 17. I'm like, I'm 39. I still don't really know what I want to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, I mean, she's talking about a couple of things, but I don't have that expectation that she's just going to be like, oh, I got it all figured out, you right. know? Like, and she's, she's kind of a young 17, too. So I'm like, it's going to take some time. Yep. You yep. know, I'm just happy that she graduated high school in Chicago. This, I mean, I was at the graduation, man. Like, these kids were wild, man. Right like once the, once the graduation was over there were kids just driving around the parking lot like several times over blasting music like people are trying to walk like it was it was ridiculous man it was like it was like something you saw in one of these uh tough turf comedy movies where it's like people are jumping from lockers and all kinds. Of, I don't. It's just ridiculous, man. Was, I was your like, high school happening? graduation
4: any that much different though, yeah. or you just like got some distance from it? Where you're like, no, we were respectable. These kids, are, yeah. the kids are the ones that are wrong. Kids
0: these days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, no, no. Here's the thing. Well, when I graduated high school, I was like, I didn't care. I was like, yo, like let's get out of here, right? Yeah. I didn't like. I'm like, okay, it's done. It's a wrap. Like I wasn't that. I wasn't that invested in like the like the whole high school and clubs and all. I was just like, I'm here. All right, I'm out. Let's go. Like, uh, so. me and
1: my buddies hopped into my car and ripped up all around the school and blasted music and drinking beers and really. Oh yeah.
0: But it was re- like it was like borderline dangerous, man. I'm not trying to sound like the old man here the old dad, oh. but there were kids driving around this school, a very narrow space where people were trying to walk and were, I was like, I was ready to snatch one of them up man you sound like an old man dad oh. listen here to the therapist, don't come in here right away being yeah. like I'm going to tell you about yourself, let me
1: straighten you out
0: <laughs> hey there Billy uh, But get me my Geritol, everybody's super happy that you know she graduated and everything that's awesome um, because yeah. it looked rough for a second it was like, <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, get it together. Right. But she did it, so. Nice. Yep. What about me, ma'am? What Amanda? Everybody, Amanda says, what about me? Yeah, no. I'm super
3: happy she graduated. What about you?
0: That's oh, yeah, I am. I am. Yeah, I'm ecstatic. Like, I am very happy that she graduated. Um, And now, I th- like, we're, I think, for me, I'm like, okay, I know she's going to, like, need time to just settle for a bit Uh, but I don't want that to turn into a prolonged period of time you know Uh, but like I said she is still a young 17 and she doesn't have it all figured out yet so um, I hope her through that as much as I can but at some point yo
1: let's go let's get it I hear so many kids talking about this gap year you know I'm just gonna take a year and go work at the gap. Find myself. Oh, and oh. Travel I know, and I know. I mean, wow.
0: You know, it's funny you say that. Who was I listening to? Yeah. I was listening to somebody the other day, and oh, this is who it was. I, it was George Lopez at the airport. Yeah. Don't <laughs> I, just
1: go into that. Yeah, yeah. Because I was some to story. I was
0: like, did I hear, where did I hear something about a gap year? So I was at the airport coming home from D.C., and it was early in the morning. an early flight. And from a distance, like halfway across the airport, I saw George Lopez. Like, clearly I knew who he was.
1: Did he um, have, like, a halo around him? And was it like, "Oh!
0: He, he had, like, seven Mexicans carrying him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but now I was like, oh, that's George Lopez. That's cool. Um, and in my head, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to bump into him or whatever, but he's probably getting on some kind of private stuff or whatever. But he's going toward the same terminal. I see him going in through one line. I go through my line. Uh, and then I'm just kind of walking around the terminal in D.C. And I was like, all right, I got to find something to eat. And I go to this restaurant. And right there at the bar, uh, George Lopez was sitting on the corner. And there was these two guys sitting next to him. And then there was an the empty stool. And I was like, well, shit, I'm gonna sit there. And so I sit there, and I thought they were with him at first, but they weren't. And I'm kind of overhearing their conversation. And he's he's in, engaged in a conversation with them, but they're talking about bullshit. Like they're talking, they're not talking about anything, right? I'm like, I'm a comedian. I have stuff to talk to George Lopez about. You know what I mean? Right. Like this dude paved the way for Latino comics. He was one of the ones that paved the way, yep. right? Yep. So I was like, man, how am I? This young guy that was sitting next to me was talking to George Lopez, and this is where he talks about the gap year. The young guy was like, oh, kids these days, blah, 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 blah. And then George Lopez said something about, yeah, like they, they think when they graduate they can take this gap year and everything. He's like, it doesn't work like that. He said, uh, he was telling them, he was like, you got to get on it right away. Like, why waste a year yep. of sitting around when you can go out and start start doing stuff? So that's where I heard that gap year thing. And, uh, but then at one point I was just like, man, I, I got to tell this dude just thank you you know yep. so I pulled up a picture of me and Paul Rodriguez doing comedy and I was like excuse me uh and I
1: interrupted that him. was and in like, Jacksonville yeah. Florida correct
0: where I performed with Paul Rodriguez yeah 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 uh Jacksonville Omaha Florida <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I just pulled up a picture of Paul Rodriguez and I slid across to him and he called me over there and he was looking at his and then he said uh oh you got a picture of Paul Rodriguez but you don't have one with me because I wasn't trying to be a groupie Right, you I just want. Yeah, I would legit just want to tell him thank you, um, a but a little bit, be like, hey, I'm a comedian, <laughs> like you know what I mean, like, what can you do for me? Nah, and then he's like, so I was like, so you want to take a picture? Then he's like, yes, take a picture. So we took a picture, and then you know he was like, he was just like, uh he was a super humble dude, man. He was just like, really thankful that I approached him, and I was like, hey, I'm a comedian, and I felt like. You could tell, like, he wanted to get engaged in the conversation more, but I didn't want to linger, you know? So um, he was just like, man, keep writing whatever you're doing. Just keep writing every single day. And I was just like, I appreciate it. And I just went back to eat my food. And then they kept talking his ear off about nothing. And I was like, these these guys don't deserve this conversation right now. Right, right. Jeez. But, yeah, so that was that. That's man. pretty sweet, Oh, but then brother. I posted something on Instagram and he commented on it. Nice. So I was like, okay, you see me. You see me, George. <laughs> yeah. So nice, that's brother. It nice. Yeah.
1: Sweet. So, yep. Yep. You yeah. ever run into somebody um, famous like that? In New York, I used to run into peeps all the time when I was walking around in the city.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Humble brag,
0: like, oh, sorry, no, no, no. Big
1: deal. I mean, nothing came of it. It's just when you're in New York City and Kat's you're in different Deli. areas. Is that
0: what it is? There cats. <laughs> what is it? Catses. Cats's
1: Delicatessen oh, Carnegie Deli But yeah, just walking around, you'd see people all the time, you know mm-hmm. I wasn't, I'm a nobody Not The professor made, started laughing at me when I Have said that Have you ever that.
0: just uh, randomly, uh, Sean Penn, did you say Sean Penn? Sean Penn, yeah,
4: so we were, do you want to hear the story? I mean, I
0: guess. That's no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess yours is better than
4: yours. I, I was on uh, emergency leave from Iraq, and when I was, we were hanging at the uh, bar in the airport, like throwing back beers, and this other guy I didn't know, and he's like, that guy looks like a drunk, strung-out Sean Penn, because there was this guy just chain-smoking cigarettes like, and drinking coffee, and I was like, that's him. He's like, no way. So he walks over, and he's like, yeah, 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 you can see him do the yeah, it's me, he waves me over, we take pictures, and he gets up and leaves, and because like, he had just done some... He got some bad press about some stuff he said about the war in Iraq. And then he comes back with Robin Wright and his two kids. And is like, I get a bad rap in the media, guys. Like, I really respect what you guys do. He's like, I, I respect the troops. I support the troops, just not the circumstances of the conflict. And he's like, but I did want to bring my family to meet two real heroes. And so like sat with us, talked with us. Um, it was kind of like embarrassing because the other guy was kind of hammered and he was like, That movie, what's that movie you were in? It's my favorite. And he's like naming mm-hmm. off like his Oscar fodder movies. And he's like, No, the pizza one. It's <laughs> like fast at one High. And so I just remember like, I was like, I got to, re- like, I was like, No, I really loved I Am Sam. I thought it was a great mm-hmm. movie and all this stuff. And he's like, Thank you. I put, you know, like, and I had like a genuine conversation with us, talked about his kids were on like Jackass a couple of weeks ago. And then we talked to Robin Wright about Princess Bride. So it was pretty cool. Nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Very, what about you,
2: Cater?
0: Are you bumping anybody? You don't remember? Okay. Amanda, have you bumped into anybody Ringo famous? Star. Ringo Starr!
3: Brings out cool. the trump card. Do tell! Uh, we were in Aspen skiing and I was super young. You and Ringo? And... You and Ringo were in Aspen no, 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 no. Family. Okay. Family and I were in Aspen skiing and everybody was making a big deal because we were picking up food at the grocery store. And I was like, oh, it's Ringo Starr. And I'm such a moron. I'm like, who the hell's Ringo Starr? Yeah, so anyway, it's not a proud moment, but I did get an opportunity to meet him and his wife, Barbara, at the time. So, pretty cool. Nice. Customer, mm-hmm. at the end of that one. Barbara? <laughs> <laughs> like Barbara Brock. I don't know. I don't know. I was Bart really star. young and dumb.
0: Ringo Starr, that like trumps yeah. all the names that we threw out there. That's pretty
1: sweet, yeah. Yeah, heck
0: yeah. Man. So, Hefe. Hello. Part du. French? Du. Dos. Dos. Where do we leave off? Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we have Amanda introduce herself? Um, Amanda, we want to know about the field that you're in and how you got into this field. Okay.
3: Um, So I... I wanted to be a psychologist from nine years old and on. I wanted to be a veterinarian and then we had to put our cat to sleep and I was like, no, that's not cool. I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> so then I wanted to help kids and I went through, I ended up getting my master's in counseling and actually first job out of college was working with children and they, it was in a really rural county. Um, so socioeconomic status was not real high and the kiddos would come in, education was not real important to the families. and the kids would talk about what they were learning in school and the parents would just sort of like, yeah, it's really not important. They're just going to take over the family business, which was not a whole lot. So there wasn't a lot of promise there. Um, And I think at that time I was pregnant with my second child and a child came in had like snot coming from its nose and threw up in my office. And that was my last day as a uh, child therapist because it was gross. And, (laughs) um, but also I realized that, for me to really, truly have an impact, even though children is really where our future is, um, I, I needed to work with folks that could actually change to help children be better. And with children, you're teaching them coping skills to survive in a world that they really can't control, um, which is great, but it's really challenging as a therapist. And it's really challenging to be a child therapist and then come home to your own children. So I got out of that and um, decided to do Adult therapy, so now I work with um, individuals, couples, um, and veterans who are struggling with post-traumatic stress. Um, couples who are struggling with who they are and where they want to go as a couple, as well as individuals and um, sex therapy. So. Right.
1: So you said, so it seems fascinating to me that you said at the age of nine, yeah, you knew that you wanted. Is there a reason?
3: No, so I didn't have a crazy childhood. I actually had a fairly benign childhood. I'm an only child. Both my parents are very corporate America. Um, and I was raised around people all the time. I just, I've just i always wanted to help someone help feel people. empowered and to be better.
1: Wow. Good for you, sister. Oh, thanks. So what, do you have how would I word it when you're seeing people and do you give advice or do you kind of ask them questions to kind of pull stuff out of them or how does that work?
3: So it's probably a little of both. The therapist answer is, well, we let you get there yourself. Um, My answer is I'm not that patient. Um, So it depends on who you're looking for. I'm going to help you get there, but I'm probably going to push it more than norm.
0: Um, would that be considered like outside the box?
3: I don't know. Maybe Um, there are different kinds of therapy that people can provide. Mm -hmm. So you can go deep into your family of origin and pull everything out and then just sort of let someone go along. I don't want to say string along because that sounds bad, but Mm -hmm. pretty much, um, go along and figure it out the whole time and sort of guide and push that way. Or you can be a little bit more direct and like, "Hmm, let's follow that train of thought. Yeah. Where are you going with that? And how? You know, what was that like? What that? How did that make you feel? And really dig in and help them get there, without saying that was probably the most messed up thing you've ever done.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You're going to help them get there, though, right. a little bit quicker.
1: So when you say that you help veterans with PTSD and and other couples and uh, sex therapy, when let's say somebody's stuck in a rut or not seeing the answer or, or kind of like how you are like hey how about this how about this like how would it work if somebody's just not quote unquote getting it Yeah. or, or you know it's they're struggling to uh, find the answer or listen to advice or maybe they just aren't going to get better
3: hmm Okay, so that's harder. That's several different answers. But a lot of times people will come in, and it's really not that they don't know the answer already. They know. Right. They need validation. Um, They need someone to help them. I always describe it as, wow, it it seems like you're spinning your wheels, and you just need someone to slip a cog in it, like to stop it, Um, and just say, all right, let's stop here and address this first. And then we'll address the next thing. And then we'll address the next thing. which seems like a real easy thing to do when you go to therapy once or twice, right? And you're like, oh, I got it. No problem. I already know where I need to stop and address. But that's not really how it works. Um, so you help them identify the first problem, then the second problem, and just break it apart into little pieces. And then a lot of times you get people who are real hung up on thoughts versus feelings. So it's real easy to intellectualize your, your thoughts um, and your feelings, right? Oh, I, I feel this way because of blah, 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 blah. So there's an example versus I think this and because of that I feel this way and it makes me really sad and I'm gonna go ahead and just dive into those feelings and move through them. So you rationalize Mm. your feelings away.
1: Gotcha. So you mentioned that sometimes there are people who just come for a couple of sessions, right? Mm -hmm. And is it where they just show up a couple of times and never show up again? Or do they come in a couple of times, think that they've got the answer, and then show up again six months from then because they really need help? You know, I'm gathering that two sessions won't really solve anything.
3: No, your first session is, let me get to understand who you are. And their second session is, I'm just starting to dive in. Right? So if you quit after two sessions, you've done yourself. Huge disservice, no names to be mentioned, um, after listening to this podcast prior. To the- <laughs> but we'll address that in just a sec.
0: <laughs> well, let's speak on it. Don't let's justify. It. Yeah, yeah. No, ain't no, no justification, man. Um, I'm not dodging anything either, right? Because um, I feel like that was directed toward me. It might have been. It might have been, she says.
1: Hmm, um, rabbit could be.
0: Yeah, he passes the mic to the
1: professor.
0: <laughs> well, no, because,
4: like, not to, like, take away, but, like, I'm guilty of the same thing, right? I just probably didn't bring it up as, like, you know, own it as much as you did last time. So,
0: go ahead. Well, continue down that path, No, professor. I mean, like, I've
4: gone for a few sessions like, shit's clicking. Stop. Mm-hmm. Six months, two years, however long. Mm-hmm. Go for a few more sessions. Hey, shit's clicking. And then stop. And, like, it seems like it's not just... It's not just you. It's like a thing that happens fairly frequently, at least it would seem like to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I also feel like there, there's, you have to put some of the stuff into application, right? So if you give me some deliverables as the the therapist, then I need to go in to put and put those things into practice. And um, I feel like personally, like I want the time to do that. So yeah, I mean, I went to two sessions, and I was like. Okay, like he gave me some things to, to walk away with and to put into practice. And I've tried a lot of them and uh, still do utilize uh, those resources. Um, will I go back? I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's given me some tools, right? And she says, she got this smile on her face like I'm about to tear his ass up. <laughs> I can't wait to get this microphone back. <laughs> Uh, But I know, I mean, I think that you have to put some of that stuff into application. I'm not going to go back into an environment and then have another session with somebody knowing that I haven't given myself the time to put 100% effort into those tools that you give me because, one, um, I feel like then I'm wasting your time, and two, I feel like an ass because I didn't do those things that you asked of me, right? So in my mind, I want time to do some of those things. Um, but also if those things are helping me, then do I need to continue to go, Amanda? See, you're way better than I am. Cause I was just like, shit's
4: better. I'm good. I don't yeah, need this anymore.
3: Finish,
0: so. Right? Okay. So I'll, I'll and be, I'll, put some fluff on
3: <laughs> I'll be super transparent. Like I'm a therapist, right? And I've been in yeah. and out of therapy since I was 15 years old. And so I've been known to maybe go for a session or two and be like, I'm good. Got it all fixed. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I can do this myself. Why do I need to pay someone to do it for me? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how it works. So a couple of things and there were so many thoughts that ran through my head so I'm gonna to try to remember each one and they may not all kind of go together but so first one or two sessions so you're all into fitness right um, if I get to my weight goal and all of a sudden decide I'm there I'm good I got it I know what my coping skills are all of it and I quit then what
0: what well, do you quit so here's the
3: thing. No, I quit. Like, I quit doing the work I'm supposed to do because I, I did exactly, I made it to my goal, and so I'm better now.
0: But if I'm saying, but if I'm saying that, so I hear that thought, but if I'm saying that I'm still utilizing the tools and the resources, so I didn't quit, right, because you provided me with something. So I'm still using those things um, to help me cope with whatever, when those moments come around that I need to use those coping mechanisms, right? So I would say you're not gonna quit exercise. Like you're God, still gonna he, go. He,
1: he so doesn't want to give her that mic. You're back. still
0: gonna go, uh, but it's, But, like
1: but me, le, l- right? let me like, let me ask you something. With you, so listen. Hey, this
0: ain't this be, ain't uh, part two,
1: part duh Unpack Jason shit. No, you no, no. <laughs> so <laughs> so, <laughs> but just like you were saying, so. Session two, you're given tools, right? And you said to a point that you are better in, let's say, A, B, and C. So I can only imagine, I'm not a therapist, and maybe Amanda could get into a little more, but if you go back to session three, maybe he will give you tools for D, E, and F. Yeah, I agree.
3: Yeah. So So it's it's not just a stop point when you finally like you do all the things everybody your trainer tells you to do right Mm -hmm. and then you plateau why because your body's like oh we kind of hit our pretty place here Mm -hmm. your mind does the same thing we hit our pretty place here but if you don't understand the why so let's say you're an emotional eater Mm -hmm. if you don't understand why you do that you can follow it to the letter everything you tell me to do hey Amanda, i need you to lose 50 pounds i'm going to have you do this this and this okay jason i'm going to do the following things because that's what you said and i'm going to need more than two weeks because Mm -hmm. that's the same thing to do um, but then I get there and all of a sudden, I've lost what I needed to lose, but I'm done and my body's not responding anymore. Your mind does the same thing. It's because you've never explored the why. And that's why you go back for more than two sessions. So now you can have the mic back.
0: Whoa! Is that like a mic drop? Dropping the mic. Is that like a mic Drop?
3: Drop! Drop! drop.
0: I will say that. (laughs) Again, I hear you, and I receive that. If your goal is to lose the 50 pounds, or if somebody's goal is to lose the 50 pounds, and they lose the 50 pounds, they should have an understanding of what got them there, right? And the tools and resources that they have that I've provided to them already. And so if the goal was to lose 50 pounds and they did it, they now know what to do if they wanted to lose more weight.
1: Yeah, but isn't there like a second stage to the plan of like the maintain phase, right? So like you've gotten these tools, but now to maintain it, you have to do this other regimen.
3: Absolutely, and so here's the thing about therapy when you come in and you say, this is the problem that's really bothering me, this is what I'm losing sleep about, or this is what I'm not able to function and work with, or whatever you brought to the person. They say, okay, tell me a little bit more. They're gonna help you come up with a couple of solutions to address that specific thing, and then the next few sessions they're gonna address, where is the core of that coming from? And so when this resurfaces and it looks a little bit different, you'll know, oh, this is what it's from. Like, this is my insecurity from this, or this is my, my worry from this or my fear from this, and this is what keeps me stuck. So you're going to identify your stuck points, right? So you can't do that in two sessions. You can't. And so there's no way that you would meet with me and be like, I mean, you're an emotional eater. Tell me all the reasons why. It, I assure you it would take more than two times meeting me in an hour.
0: Hey, Professor, do you grab the microphone, man. Eh? <laughs>
1: Don't go looking for help. <laughs>
0: no, no. Because <laughs> no, no, okay. I want, I want no, no, some yeah, other perspective, yeah. right? No, no, no. no. It's fair. It's yeah, yeah. No, no. It's, yeah. I want, I, but I want some I'm other very perspective, right? I'm strategically staying quiet. Like, because for me, maybe it was like I felt, okay, I have some tools here, some things that I can put into practice. Um, they've, for the most part, been working for me, right? Like when I feel a certain way, I do some different things and whatnot. So, like, I'm okay. I feel like I'm okay, like I'm good right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, what would, what do you think would be differences in the way that? So.
1: Wait, one sec. So you just said so I'm okay right now, but right now. wouldn't you want to be better?
0: I am better. What, what, I'm, I'm saying
4: <laughs> no, but like I kind of want to speak to that a little bit, like because sometimes, like you said about well, like wanting to take tools and use them, and I do think that at the point, one of the points that I was going, I could only handle so much, and I've. I would say that I'm at a point and it's been two and a half years where I have hit a plateau and I'm ready for something new. Not that that was my plan, but I've realized like you using those words and things and things that I've been thinking about recently because I've talked to a few people, about, hey, getting back, in and go, getting back into therapy. But I think for me, it was just like I, I went because I was trying to save my marriage. Um, she said I needed therapy. So like, okay, anything I'll do. And then I, I started getting a lot more out of it than just that. And even through the divorce, I kept going because I felt so much better about myself had this new kind of found sense of self and self-confidence and these these different things that I had kind of lost over the probably last couple of years. And so, yeah, I stopped going because I was like, I got what I need. This is what I needed. And then I'm at a point now where I, it's not that I feel bad or I feel like I, I need anything specific. I just know that I'm starting to struggle with certain things and it might be time to kind of revisit and find out a way to reassess those. And I'm still struggling with those things of self-confidence and things, like again, other things have happened in my life. and it's. Just, Sometimes you just need an outside person. Like, even though I know sometimes the tools, right, I know I can still recite some of the things that he told me, um, it's difficult putting them into execution. Um, and so not, I mean, you can call it an accountability partner, you can call it whatever, but someone that I'm checking in with and I'm invested in it financially, I'm invested in it all these different ways to help me make the change that I want to see. Because I have, there are times where I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm cool with where I'm at, but I do know, when I have moments of clarity or when I'm sitting there, not that I'm all messed up, but like I'm thinking about my life and the things that I want. I'm like, I need to be better in areas A, B, and C in my life because, you know, what are three other letters? Uh, D, E, N, F are are important to me. Those are my, you know, like, not to get into like my own personal therapy stuff, but like I have these values in my life. And if I feel like I'm kind of slacking on one of them or need to be putting more effort, I need to be better in A, B, and C, and I don't always know if I can do that myself. So b- um,
0: because this is the thread that we're on right now, right, when do the sessions stop then, right? So when does the therapy stop? You want my so, opinion? So, I mean, well, I mean, I want Amanda's professional yeah. opinion, but I was like, like I, right?
4: I tell, like, a lot of the people that I encounter through, like, work and different things, like, I think that if you can afford therapy, like, every person should make it a priority to go because I think it's, mm-hmm. there's a, a variety of different ways that it can benefit every individual, no matter how quote unquote sane you are, right? It's not just for people, uh, but like, when does it stop? I would say if when your journey stops at self-improvement, right? Like, and I think that like, it's just another method for continuous self-improvement, right? And just, it's a different way that maybe people traditionally don't look at it that way. It helps you. If you are a values driven person who has these things off in the distance that you're constantly striving towards, like it's, it's, an amazing benefit to have somebody to help guide you on that, who's an outside observer, who's objective, who's not close to you in a personal relationship way, who says, like, you've been working hard. It's okay to go do these things. Like, that may be true. But at the end of the day, if my values say that, like, no, I shouldn't take this day off and neglect my kids and drink beer and hang out with my buddies because I value my family. Like, they're they're coming from a good space and they're trying to give you advice. But when you go back, maybe that therapist says, like, yeah, I know you're really tempted to go do this thing you're talking about, but what, which of your values maybe does that align with? Like, why are you tempted? Why? I mean, maybe it is important to you and you should go out of your way to do it. But, like, you have someone to talk to about that and work through. Um,
0: okay, so, so your answer to when therapy stops is?
4: In an ideal world, never, right? Like, I think it's the one of the most healthy things somebody can do. And I'm like, okay. I get mad at myself that I don't
0: So go more Cater So, Caterer wanted to chime in. Okay. And then we're going to. Th- so, I want to get Jeff's answer to when therapy stops, Caterer's answer to when therapy stops, and then... I want Amanda to
2: to school us. So I gotta also touch on the former. So yeah, yeah. Do yeah. a little bit of a backstory first. So my parents divorced and separated when I was very, very young. Uh, don't oh to the mic. But my father likes to have beverages, and my mother used to like to take me to guys' houses to fulfill benefits of her vagina. So I, at a young age, saw That's that deep. mental health was very, very important because I saw the intensity of my parents. So when I was in, I've actually been to therapy three times, like three separate sessions. Like each was about 12 weeks long. The last one was only eight weeks. But when I was in middle school, I went to therapy for anger management because me and a fellow student got into an altercation. It was nothing to do with my parents. And that time I was just a very frustrated child. I happened to have a pocket knife on me at the time and he wanted to go to town. No one was injured but I went to therapy for 12 weeks and it was great. It was we actually didn't really talk about anger management that much besides like the first two sessions and from there we ended up just talking about my parents <coughs> and how I was really frustrated and didn't know what to do and I had all these like pent up like emotions. And I didn't know how to like exude that cuz my parents weren't there and my father wasn't there. So that was great. So I got a lot out of that. I got like meditation out of that. I got a lot of healthy like things that I could do as a young person. He was a very like progressive modern person. My mom found him. It was great. like she worked for the state at the time, so it was like He seems really smart. Let's give him somebody like contemporary. So I went again when I was in high school because I was seeing some issues with myself, mainly because I wasn't performing as well as I could in a creative space. And I thought it was something in a a mental fashion. And that's what I chalked it up to. My grades were great. My art was great. Everything was great. I was killing clients. It was awesome. But I felt off. So I thought it was a mental game. So I went to my therapist. She hooked me up with a friend. And I went for 12 more weeks of therapy. And we just hung out we talked about stuff and their approach to so the first guy he would like kind of dig into like my family history ask me everything he could that this and that the second person they would just after the first couple sessions they would just present situations they would say how do you feel about this they would like grab a something from the modern world an event that would happen and ask me how i felt about it saying like how do you feel about this person getting shot how do you feel about this like school shooting how do you feel about this person getting raped like these different environments and seeing how i would react to that and what i thought about it and that's what he used to like diagnosed me and helped me kind of like pull my creativity together. And that's because that's what I wanted. I was like, that's my goal. Like, I want to be better creatively and have more shit to do. And then I went again two years, two years ago. I went for eight weeks because I was going through a lot of stuff at the time with my ex-girlfriend now. And I thought it was due in part to me. I thought I had some mental things that were out of alignment and turns out it wasn't me. I went and I like my parents stuff I had it under control. I coped with that very early on. Like not, not cope, like dealt with, handled figured out how to love my parents in some shape or form. Um, but we talked for a while and they ended up, they, they stopped the sessions like, you don't need this. Don't do this, get out of your own head, keep doing what you're doing and keep crushing it. They're like, if you want to talk, you're here, but like you meditate, you do good, you're constantly killing it. Like just keep doing what you're doing. I'll be here if you ever need me. But they actually stopped the sessions and told me just to continue on my own. And that was great. And that was like, I did six sessions that were on behalf of my insurance and I paid for the other two. And they were like, yeah, I'm not gonna take your money. Just, you're fine. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, if you can't have the self-discipline to follow these practices on your own and constantly seek out new tools, they change. If you don't have the self-discipline to do that, you should go to therapy as much as possible. Because mental health feeds everything, it feeds your physical health, it feeds your, your love life, your mo- or like romantic life, your sex life, your creative life, your business life, everything and for me, if my mental game isn't on point, like if something's bothering me, Jeff knows, if something's bothering me, he can see right fucking through me. And I wasn't always like that. I used to be able to put up a shell. And I think I have developed a way to make myself extremely transparent when I'm not feeling well, so someone will call me out and be like, you're off your game, fix it. Because if I'm not performing, I can't do what I do. And that, that's just my two cents. That's
3: a solid point. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No,
4: I mean that
0: in a good way, man. Yeah, that was more than that was two good. cents, man. That was worth something. That was good. <laughs> You're trying to say? <laughs> no, that I'm was sure. worth... I I was c- it. That, you know, that this time around, that was worth something. Hefe, <laughs> 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 you have thoughts on when therapy ends? I will point out that uh, the professor did say at first that when you feel like there's this self-improvement, and then he said never. I will say. I said, I just you, said never. I said never. In a
4: perfect world, right? Like... I, and I'm not saying that means every week, but I think this idea of constantly have someone you check in with, whether it's once a month, once every six months, once a year, to just kind of check in on your on what's going on, I I think is a great idea. I definitely think it takes more often than that in the beginning, but I don't. I think in a perfect world, right? Like we're always, if you're the type of person who's constantly t- trying to, sh- if you're striving for self improvement and never kind of just accepting the current situation, I think it's a great idea to constantly have someone to check in I'm not saying like you've got it you know like Cody got it wrong or anything like I think that's exactly what should happen therapists should be, therapists should be like hey look you're in a good spot man um, why don't we you don't need this if you want to let's come back in six months and just double check so you're not I hate right, to use right. the term like backsliding or getting to a spot where all of a sudden you're like you know come to me when you're bending not broken type thing because we, right, right. we get behind ourselves sometimes like I think that's the perfect situation sorry
1: me, huh?
0: Well, just when, do you think that there's an end to therapy, or?
1: Well, I'll go deep into it, okay? So, on the podcast, I've been super transparent and spoken about how um, since the age of five, my father was brutally beating me, Uh, and that went on for years and, uh, in third grade for about a year, uh, the babysitter that would pick me up from school while my parents were out, her son and his two friends raped me for about a year, uh, you know, and just people, my friends dying at a young age and committing suicide and just dealing with a lot of death, um. You know, when I was young, my parents threw me into therapy because that was, like, kind of their way of not dealing with the situation. And when we had a family session, I just... My father was like, yeah, everything's fine and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, what about this or well, what about that? And I just walked out crying. That was, like, the last time of that. But... um Through it all, it's funny because my wife jokes and she's just like, with knowing everything that I've gone through and I've gone into great detail with her, what I've been through, she's like, I don't know how you're halfway normal, you know? Um, And with all this, for years, I dealt with anger issues and um, I made a choice years ago that I would never touch my kids. Um... And continue that cycle, you know. Um, never touched my wife or any girlfriend that I've ever had, you know. Uh, um But, you know, I, the anger issues and, and anxiety that it's caused, I know that I need to go to therapy. You know, um, and it's not that I think that I don't need to. it's not that I think that like, oh, I don't need to do that and, and I'm above that or anything else, and I'm strong enough to deal with whatever it is. It's kind of just like I just haven't gone, you know, um, and there's really no reason than other other than just not going. I called six. I don't even know if it was therapists or psychologists or psychiatrists. Six of them left messages. Hi, I need to schedule to come in. Nobody ever called me back. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like that
3: happens a lot it
1: was weird. Yeah, yeah it, it kind of lot. threw me into like just forget it. You know, it's not meant to be. If they don't care why would anybody. Right, does? right. <laughs> um, and it's funny because I, like I said, I know that I need to go. And it's just taken that first step to actually start calling somebody again, you know, to get in and get on and, um, but I kind of, you know, uh, I agree with the professor, you know, that, uh, it can be a lifelong thing. There's nothing bad that comes out of it, right? You go to somebody who is not a friend or a family member or or somebody that you know, right? Kind of like they're a stranger.
3: An objective person.
1: Objective, non-judgmental, you know, where you can just unload. And once you start speaking and talking about stuff, Oh, what was
3: that? I'm sorry, but that was like a serious inhale. Well I mean,
0: no i I hear you, but I also feel like I feel the opposite too, like it's hard for me to just open up to somebody that I don't know you know but it's and about it's just,
1: about letting your guard down, and it's about you're there is, it's about you're there for a reason right
0: yeah which is t- which is tough with somebody you do, well for me, like it is tough to open up to somebody you don't know, like I'm gonna tell this person all of my thoughts and emotions, and I'm like, this person doesn't know me like.
2: You're, like, protected by, like, law.
0: (laughs) I get that. I get that. But I'm also, like, I don't know. And maybe it's because of my culture or whatever. Like, we didn't grow up. And we talked about this, like, sharing our emotions just openly and things like that. And so that shit is tough, man.
1: But like I said, how with me being beaten for years and me not hitting my kids... Even though you didn't share emotions as a child and in your house, doesn't mean that that should go on, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're going to a therapist, you're going there for a reason. Say
0: that last part again.
1: That you should break the cycle. Yes. That even though in your home as a kid and growing up, you didn't speak about feelings and emotions, you should stop that. And if you go to a therapist, you're there for a reason. You're there to. Don't start laughing at me, you son of a bitch. I'm not laughing. <laughs>
0: I'm not laughing. I just want to make sure that this conversation isn't directed no. at.
1: Certain no, 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 no. 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 It's, uh, at, millions of people, bro. You know, millions of people probably feel the way that you do, or the professor does, or I do, or Amanda does, or Cody does. You know, it's it's it, it's the caterer. Um to me, if you're looking for help, if inside your insides are turning because you're so anxious or these emotions and feelings are eating you up, then going to see somebody and getting that off your chest, that's why you're there. It's a relief. It's a relief. You're, you're getting this out. And it's like, like you were saying... Like who is this person that I'm going to talk to? That's the beauty of it. Once you leave there, you're not seeing them again. You know, you're not walking through a restaurant and they're going to be like, "Oh, that guy," blah blah blah. You know, it's about helping and getting stuff out. So like, just to build out that real
4: quick, um, like one of the things that hit with me the first time I started going to therapy when I got, when I got back from uh, my second time in Iraq was that uh, someone pointed out to me that most of us already have therapists in our lives, they're just not trained professionals and so we're dumping all this stuff, usually on a loved one because we are comfortable talking to them. And like, not that they look at us differently, but that's a huge role for someone in your life to take on. Like, not that you're sitting down on a couch with them, but odds are you're talking about this shit with somebody, right, um, and that's a huge burden. And not that that person's not willing to accept that, but like, for the sake of that relationship staying the way it is, sometimes it is good to have, it's not saying you can't share with them, but let a professional handle certain aspects of it, right? Just like you would, you know, anything else, seek out a professional type thing. And that was, like, for me, that, that was the paradigm that got me to be like, oh, shit, I get it, this person, the reason why I don't have to have that, that initial trust or whatever is they're a trained professional and I'm seeking them out. So, like, that, that was a paradigm shift for me, at least.
2: one so. So Jason, so a lot of what is talked about on this show, this is to you. Yeah. A lot of what is talked about on this show, whether it's politics or current issues, most of the time the result is that someone should have broken the cycle of whatever was happening to prevent said prior event. So I think that whatever you mentally have to do to break said cycle, whether like like I don't think it's okay to dehumanize anybody. If anybody dehumanize the therapist so you don't feel like you're talking to somebody and you can just let it out, whatever it may be. But I think you should break that cycle and that could cause a cultural shift. If that is that way in your culture, then that is not good. And you could be the leading charge, that white stallion of that, not in a religious sense, don't take it that way. And do that. I send that in like a majestic way.
3: Yeah. So, again, there were so many things brought up that I don't even know where to start, but I'll start here. So I was raised in a Hispanic family. Um, I know how it is. Like you don't, you're, that's family stuff. You don't go Mm -hmm. out and you don't really discuss it. And there are not a lot of hugs, but there are a lot of hugs, but it's like a kiss, get best, best, right. But it's, it's not, it's different. Um, and so I was also, as I mentioned, raised in a very corporate America family. And so I I have no blame on my parents. My parents are amazing people and I'm very grateful for the childhood that I had. Um, but my parents, again, were raised in a a setting in which you motor through, you, you don't go through your feelings. You motor through them. Um, so I was raised to do the same. So I remember walking into a therapist office Again, I started at 15. That was for different stuff. But as an adult saying, teach me how to be vulnerable. And so everything I'm hearing around the table is about vulnerability and everyone is scared shitless of it. Everybody is scared of their own emotions and really feeling them. And the thing about it is I had a, a therapist who here in Jacksonville, actually, who's really amazing, who said to me, Hey, Amanda, um, what would happen if you actually just allowed yourself to feel sad? And I'm like, ah, it would really suck. Like, I don't have a lot of time for that. Um, And he was like, you know, it it just makes you more resilient. And so the next time you feel sad, it doesn't take you as long to like move through that emotion. It's like, Mm. oh, that's a novel thought. Okay. I could do that. And mind you, this is only two years ago. I've been, I've been in practice for almost 20 years um, and so this is two years ago, and I went. My, my very good friend died on the same night that my grandmother died, and I was like, how do I grieve? What does this look like? I, I don't even know where to start. I'm not crying. I'm, I, don't even, I don't know what it looks like. I actually asked someone um, that I worked with who I trust deeply, and that individual helped me through it too, and was like, hey, you're a therapist. Get into therapy, moron. I was like, oh, good point. Yes, sir, <laughs> got it. Um, anyway, um, so vulnerability is key to all that. I also think that, to answer your question, therapy does not end. Your therapist the paid for therapy can end because you've, you've gotten to the place where you can explore that on your own now. But then in life you have those great friends that surround you. It's your support system. And it's not like every girl has that girlfriend. It's like, oh my god, he's such an asshole. I can't believe he did that to you. No one needs that shit. Like, no one needs that. But you need the friend who says to you, you know what? Look in the mirror. You've got problems. And you need to sort that through. And all the stuff that you were working on, I'm holding you accountable to it and you better go do it. So it's great to have those coping skills but it's also great to ha- understand where the core issue is coming from. So when it pops up again in a different way and you have to come up with different coping skills to treat it um, or to address it, and then you have the friend that looks at you and says, "Uh "Uh-uh," just like the conversation we had in here before but I'm not gonna really address too deeply, we're all here for everybody Mm -hmm. because they're our friends and we're super tight with them and we care about them and we give a shit what happens to them and we watch for that. That's therapy. Reading a book and going, oh, I can apply this to my life and actually applying it, not just reading and go, this is what you're supposed to do, that's therapy. So it doesn't have to be paid for.
0: Nice. You said you had more to address.
3: I think that was probably enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, in your experiences in the different uh, in different lanes that you're in with therapy, um, what is the most challenging lane for you? Because you mentioned you do sex therapy, you work with. Um, veterans and ptsd like and and like yeah what is the most challenging to you like what what is the most challenging in in the clients that you're working with not like them personally but like in that setting and then what really takes it out of you
3: oh that's okay so that's a hard question the (laughs) the most challenging are those folks who say i'm ready for therapy but then when you point out the things that they need to do to work on themselves, they have an excuse for everything. Mm. Uh, They're not ready for therapy. They feel like, they think they are, but they don't feel like they are. They don't recognize that that's the difference. So connecting someone's thoughts with their heart and their mind, incredibly challenging. Um, And honestly, so I said I work with veterans. Um, This is not a generalization, it's an experience. You are trained to be very mission focused. Um, And so when that happens, the feelings get pushed aside. So then you come into the office and you're ready to work on things and be more vulnerable and be ready to be there for others. It's very challenging to do because for so long you push that aside. So let's say a career, that's 20 something years or more that you've just been like, nope, I don't know what that is. Let me just push that away because I can't, I've got to focus, rightfully so. So now the therapist or myself, I have to help you connect this and this, like you know, mind and heart. and that, that can be a challenge because sometimes, again, people are very afraid of their feelings. They're very afraid of addressing the things that hurt them to the core um, because they don't know if they're going to move through it because they've never had that experience before. If they have, it's been a long time. So the other part is um, I see therapists in practice, and sometimes seeing a therapist as a therapist is really challenging because, well, we know everything, right? Like, mm-hmm. so we're good, we're solid, uh, but there's a reason you come into therapy. And so... Um, generally, it's just the it's the pushback that you get from people who just aren't ready to go there, and that's okay. You meet them where they are, and you wait. And it takes more than two sessions for them, though.
0: Hmm.
4: Is that a jab? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, on the opposite of that, what's like, what's the rewarding moment look like? What's the like, that's why I do this? What's that look like?
3: Ah. Uh, That moment, it's the aha moments, to be all Oprah Winfrey on you, but it's the aha moments when they, when they're like, huh, I get a lot of, holy shit, are you serious? Mm. Yeah. You there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay, cool. Um, It's those moments when they realize, all right, this is what, that's, that's where I needed you to stop my wheel spinning. That's the part that I've been so stuck on. And that really is the very small or very large thing right? it's all about perspective, thing that's holding me back. And what you often find, you mention values. This is the part I forgot I was gonna mention. Values are super important. We're all raised with them or we learn them, whether it's from our parents, from ourselves, based on our experiences with our parents, our family members, or friends, or whatever it may be. Your values are incredibly important. If you're not sure of what they are, get real sure. Figure out what they are and get in line with them. And then identify the behaviors that you exhibit when you're acting outside of your values. Because once you see those pop up, you know, all right, I need to check myself. Something's not right. And this is why I feel like crap. And this is why I'm anxious. And this is why I'm angry. And this is why I'm edgy. Or whatever you want to call it or label it, that's why. You're not acting within your values. So when you're super straight on those, it's real easy to work with you. Because you come in and you already know what the issue is. So I kind of answered it and then went off on a no, tangent, cool. which is I, very I common curious. to me. Like, it's always, I was
4: like, you yeah. know. No, no, I'm just curious what the... The benefit is like yeah. I'm sure it's frustrating probably more than it is rewarding. So what is it? The things that keep you going? It's a
3: toss-up, right? Because I work with the worried well, uh-huh. right? I don't I don't work with the severely mentally um, not well. I'll say it that way. Um, I work with. Everyday folks that like you know they have marital issues or erectile dysfunction or something that I can help like oh that's anxiety let me just treat that real quick oh you're having sex again that's amazing doesn't it feel great like <laughs> um, or you're communicating <laughs> and like, this it? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like the, so to see a couple who is like you know what we're communicating and we're not yelling at each other um, or we're communicating we can be in the same room as each other and oh by the way we're actually able to touch each other again and not feel so repulsed by it that's pretty damn cool or to see. Uh, an individual who is successful in their career, but every other aspect of their life is just falling apart. To see them match that and to have some balance there, it's pretty damn rewarding. Cool. It's an empowering part.
1: Do you have... So you do the couples mm-hmm. therapy, and I'm sure that there are a million different scenarios but do you have, let's say, couples where one person wants to be there, the other doesn't want to be there? And, and, mm. and, you know, just different struggles that you may have with the couples. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so you have couples who they'll come in together and say, I want to work on this, but what one couple's not telling the other is this is sort of their last-ditch effort. And so for, for me in my practice, I will see them – that's probably my phone. Sorry about that. <laughs> For me, I'll see them together and then I'll see them each individually, not to tell secrets, but to give them the opportunity to say, like, I have a heel left in that door doorframe. Um, or, oh, by the way, I'm having an affair. Or, oh, by the way, I hate him or her. Mm. Um, she or he makes me want to punch him in the face. You know, wow. like it, they bring out that kind of anger. Right. Um, and then you bring them together and this is how we're going to address this together. But if you're sitting in a session and it's just not going, I'm going to ask, are you sure you want to be here? Because I'm not getting that feeling. Right. So I'm going to use the here and now to approach that. Right. Um, but it happens.
1: Do, do, when you have the breakout sessions of the individuals, so you see her and him or him and him or her and her, you get their side of the story and their feelings and everything else. When you bring them together again, do you bring up stuff that was spoken about in the individual sessions or is it just if they bring it up?
3: So this is a tricky thing in a lot of therapists, there's, there's like two sides to this, right? Some therapists believe firmly that you should never keep secrets when it comes to marital or couples work. Um, and some therapists can keep secrets. It depends on where the marriage is. So some therapists come from a place where you should never keep secrets. Um, So when you see someone individually, and let's say they say, I've been having an affair for 10 years. Does your spouse know? No. Okay. Well, some therapists will say, you will either tell your spouse in the next session or the next three sessions, or we're not going to see each other for therapy anymore. And some therapists will say, all right, let's talk about the pros and the cons of having that discussion with your spouse.
1: Hmm. What do you do?
3: I am. Oh, so this is going to put me out there on blast, Uh, but I am. I know. Right. Right. It's good for him. It's good for him. We'll talk about that again. Yeah. So so I am the therapist who you can tell me your secret and I'm going to honor your secret. I'm going to tell you the pros and cons of sharing Mm -hmm. that. And we're going to, well, I'm going to tell you the pros of sharing your secret. Right. And then we're going to discuss the cons as you believe them. And then we're going to talk about where your marriage is in this current state. Sometimes not telling every single thing you've done in life is okay.
1: Right, right.
3: Again, you may have, I could have a therapist sitting next to me and be like, no, absolutely wrong. That's absolutely wrong. It's, it's just different. Different um, styles. Yeah, different styles. But sometimes there are things that I'm like, how would that benefit the marriage? If you're telling me that you had an affair that was over six years ago and it lasted for 10 years and this is what you learned from it, and this is where you are, what would it do to this person? And it's not about you. The reason isn't about you, right? It's about the individual that you're concerned about. All right. I'll hear you. Do I think honesty is the best policy? Right. Always. Right. Um, but I'm not going to say therapy's over and I'm not going to encourage you to say something that could potentially hurt another individual. That would be like...
1: No good at all could come out of that.
3: Right. Exactly. That would be like saying, well, you had an affair. What position were you in at every single moment? How is that going to benefit that other person to right. know that? Right. It's not. It's right. not going to benefit the marriage.
1: Right. So, hmm. do you have another question? And um, you?
2: Yeah, I actually, do. So, I don't remember the exact person's name, but I saw a TED talk, and it was a therapist who was talking about how they did this huge study about brain activity scans on the brain, and they were talking, they'd like to people all over the world, different ages, races, genders, uh, like economical status, everything, because they were like, hey, we're the only, like, medical sect that doesn't examine the thing that we're diagnosing and treating so they were like hey let's get brain activity scans for all of our patients throughout the process and saw like growth and change and where they could like kind of like pinpoint certain things how do you feel about that do you think that's accurate is that something that like you would like explore down the road or have you already I don't know
3: I have not and I'm looking at like oh shit what's gonna ask me um uh, so no, that was just it I was like
2: what do you think about that as a whole, right? No, no,
4: <laughs> like, by, by no means. Like, I'm just
2: obviously, I'm an advocate, <laughs> but like,
3: <laughs> I warned Jeff no. I would not say anything profound on this thing. Um, no. Anyway, no, what I, I I think the brain is an incredibly powerful thing, and we are not to a place where we know everything that is capable of recognizing. So, if they're doing studies, I would love to have access to that and to have. Multiple studies done on the same thing to really understand yeah. that but do I know anything about no? I'm not going even pretend
2: we, we, we can talk offline about this. Yeah, <laughs> but I have been getting brain activity scans So yeah. I had to pay out of pocket my insurance now luckily pays for it nice, which is super awesome um, It's you have to go through a lot of hoops to have it happen But since I already have been having it happen. They're okay with it I get it done yearly and what's nice is you can see ahead of time things like Alzheimer's Dementia yes. super far yeah. in advance because you see what your brain's doing and I was actually going through, I just had a brain cavity scan and then another one while I was going through my last therapy, like stent, and they saw like, because to me it's always about like my performance, I know that sounds really like conceited, but like they saw something, I was like, hey, this part of your brain isn't lighting up as much as it did last time, Mm -hmm. find out why. So for me that was super cool, because they got to like dig into that very specific part of my brain that is triggered by these chemicals and these electrons and, well, electricity. So for me it was cool, I didn't know if you had like seen anything like that or heard about it or if that's something that's like in this part of town that people are even exploring? Yes. So um, the answer
3: is yes. So with post traumatic stress disorder, you can see in the brain what happens and which part disconnects from the other. Um, I can't even go into it because I've had a couple glasses of wine now, so I'm not going to even attempt it. <laughs> Me too, it's but like, and she's, and I, and I, so she's disconnected. I, right, right. No, I'm totally in, <laughs> okay. but like I, convi- I can envision it, but I couldn't tell you the parts of the brain, but it's like the limbic system and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but there is a study that's out there, there are several studies that are out there about mindfulness and the brain and what it has done for folks who um what for alzheimers and how it's it's people who practice practice mindfulness a form of mindfulness every single day it's actually delayed
2: um, mm-hmm. alzheimers mm-hmm. like brain rehabilitation mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. yep so it's an important it's important research um, and it's happening i just don't yeah, I
2: don't know. It's it's as as I it's, it was just one of those things that like popped up on my yeah, TED Talk. Yeah, it's super cool was that like, you're this doing. This super awesome. And yeah. then I just went and was like, I just got to my session like a week later. So I was like, okay.
3: I like it. I'm gonna try it now. I'm curious. It's, it's, it's super
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah. So we went through a couple of different ones. So sex therapy as well.
3: Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Um, you mentioned erectile dysfunction.
3: Yeah. Um, it's like twelve-year-old boys in here. You
1: know. What? Yeah. <laughs> one, one
3: person's
1: good. It's like when. Oh, I'm the youngest one. It's okay. It's like when somebody farts with us. We just. Right. It's. Just um, but I'm get. I can again only gather. But I'm asking you. So erectile dysfunction, mm-hmm. and is it like uh, yeah, why, sex? Why, why are you so hung up on that one? Of cross- course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have it. Look at me. I'm big and fat. It hasn't worked for like <laughs> a year. <laughs> um, but sexual addiction and, and, I'm just wondering like what kind of stuff you deal with in that. Yeah. As so well. I see a
3: lot, right? A lot of it. Um, a lot of what I'm seeing is you have folks who have PTSD. Well, your medication is going to affect that your performance. It is. And so the guidance is, Hey, do you take your meds in the morning? Have sex in the morning. Um, you see a lot of folks who are super busy in life, like we all are. All of us will be like, oh, I have to go from here to here to here to here, right? Um, schedule sex. And then you get the couples who say, oh, there's no spontaneity. Hey, you're not having sex anyway. So now you know every Wednesday, shave your legs, you're having sex. Mm, it's a big right? night. Yeah, buddy. Right. Woo! Shave yeah. your legs. Um, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> I'm going to <shave> my
4: legs.
3: <laughs> I don't
1: know why you looked at the Sorry, professor wait, when you said wait, that.
3: Both of us need to shave our legs. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> the point is, make it exciting. <laughs> this foreplay thing is Make it exciting. Every, every couple um, has a sexual script, meaning you always know, all right, he came in, he took a shower. We're going to have sex tonight. All right, <laughs> so switch it up a little bit. Make it exciting because when you're dating, it's not the same every time because otherwise you wouldn't be married or coupled up in some way, shape or form. Right. So make it different. Change it up. If there's, um, performance anxiety, don't put the pressure of your, um, on yourself to have sex, make it about, they call it sensate focus. You can Google it, not on your work phones, but you can Google it. <laughs> and, uh, Was it's it sensate, sensate focus. And it's basically just heavy petting. It's foreplay. That's what us girls like to call it. It's foreplay heavy and it lasts petting. a long time. All right, cool. Yep. And so it's, I mean, there's I'm no intercourse. It's off the table. It's all just like, hey, we're going to feel each other for a little while. We're going to see where this goes. If it goes, it goes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But the pressure is off, so there's no pressure to perform. So the last time it didn't work is not fresh on your mind because you're not going to do it.
1: That's cool. Jeff, do you want to try some sensei focus? With my wife, not with you. <laughs> um, do you I'll say in the past, Like, have you ever dealt with anyone where, let's say, one of the people, like, wanted sex all the time, but the other didn't want sex? Sure. You know, like, how Mm -hmm. does that work out?
3: Back it off. So every date night doesn't mean you're going to have sex, right? So, uh, just the way it is. If you associate every single time, we're going on a date, and then that person, the other partner, who's not really interested in having sex with you, because right now they're a little upset with you, goes, oh, great, now I'm going to have to have sex. It ruins the whole date. And
0: what can we sensate?
3: You can, uh, can sit, say it anytime you want. Maybe not at work, but
1: whatever.
3: <laughs> you can stranger it. Whatever you need to do, Jason.
1: <laughs>
3: so, um, but it's, it's more about letting them know that they're appreciated outside of intercourse. It's not all about the physical act. It's, all, it's more about, hey, I'm connected. I'm here. I'm present with you. And it makes it more exciting for everybody involved.
1: Have you ever had... So I'm like a big horror fan and like... thrill, thr-
3: horror. horror or horror?
1: Horror yeah. and... <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm confused.
1: I, I cruise Phillips Highway at night. Just Oh, that's dangerous. Um, Insane, Augustino <laughs> <but, laughs> the uh, And like thriller fam. like have you ever dealt with anyone that was like creepy or gave you the creeps or, or kind of like, not that you felt threatened by, but it kind of made you think like, is this person capable of blah, 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 whatever it may be. Sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes more of a safety issue for the therapist in the room. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, yes. And it's really difficult as a therapist to not pass judgment, but when your red flags are going up like all over the place, it's, it it becomes an issue of safety. Uh, I work in an office that has back windows, and I never put anything between me and the door. But you're taught that in grad school. Okay. But I'm also not afraid to be in the room with someone. So I can sit in a room with a predator. I can sit in the room with someone who's been convicted of something. Um, I'm not going to pass judgment, but I'm deeply aware of who I'm in the room with.
1: So you brought up a predator or somebody who was locked up. Like, Have you ever been in the room with somebody, let's say, that was like a, a, how do you even put it, like a like a sexual predator, like I with sex, children or yeah. whatever it may be, and like, how did that make you feel, even though so, you're supposed to be non-judgmental right. and, all?
3: and I have kids, right. right? So it's super hard for me to be like, right? But I also recognize that this is a mental thing, um, and again, I could i probably shouldn't go into deeply on this because it's a public thing but i'm gonna go
1: de- i'm gonna go deeply actually <laughs> you, you can on it okay so
0: i mean like not to put pressure on you if you don't yeah but, like i guess like a sense of like do you i don't know if you were going here with this jeff but like i guess it, with your profession and dealing with individuals who may have come, had some circumstances like that do you feel like there's this like there's a sense of reform that could come from therapy like in working with these individuals
3: okay so that's a very loaded question and I'm going to be very careful how I answer it okay but well, I will maybe tell I, you this maybe I
0: shouldn't ask no
3: it's okay it. you can you can ask it right oh. so I'm gonna tell you if you call me and you tell me that you have um, an attraction for young children I'm gonna tell you I'm not the person for you to see and I'm gonna refer you to someone who specializes in it it's the same thing if you call me and you say you really dig your animals I'm gonna give you the name of someone who is who specialize in that because that is the fair thing to do for you, Mm. right? So I will tell you that I've sat in a room with um, individuals before who have asked me about my personal sex life and my personal, my marriage. Um, And though I am very transparent, there are things that I won't go into, right? So my natural question back is, how is this going to benefit you to know this information? And how do you think I'm feeling sitting in the room with you as you ask those questions? And now, how do you think others feel when you do that to them?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So I'm not super uncomfortable. There's not a situation that makes me like, can't do this. Um, I'll do it. But I'm, again, red flags are everywhere and I'm mm-hmm. very aware of the situation. I have three kids. I got to be around.
1: Yep. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Okay. Um, just give me like I. A... No, I'm not answering. Okay. Um I feel that with the child predators, yeah. and I don't know why I can't think of like the real term for it. Um I feel that that there is no rehabilitation mm. for those people. Yeah. Because normally and and first off, it it makes me nuts that a lot of times if they get arrested for it that it's like a three-month probation, you know, for doing like lewd and lascivious mm-hmm. things with a ten-year-old, you know, um, three-month probation, then if it happens again, six months probation, then a year probation, like mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's really no repercussion, repercussion and these okay. children are ruined.
3: It seems like we take a lot of risk at, at, at the detriment of children. So. I'm <clears throat> offenders versus predators, and we're talking about predators specifically, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm a firm believer, and I shouldn't probably answer this, but I, I will because it's how I feel. No, I will. I will because I don't see predators. Um, I'm the f- of the firm belief that that's hardwired, and I'm sure people argue it till the black and blue. My personal opinion is it's hardwired. And there's a really great movie. It had Kevin Bacon in it years and years and years ago. Sleepers. No. <laughs> Guys, no, it was, a, <laughs>
1: it was Tremors. It, he Tremors. was, Tremors.
3: no, he was a registered predator. Um, and it was not a very popular movie and it got Dean because of it. But if you watch the movie, what really hurts my heart, honestly, is the struggle that they go through mentally. They don't want to, but they want to, right? Like there's, there's they a compulsion. It's, it's a compulsion. Yeah. They know it's wrong. Oh, I can talk about this too. Yeah. They know it's wrong, but there's a compulsion to do it. And so yeah. Kevin Bacon plays this character. The Woodsman, that's the name of the movie. Oh, yeah. All right. So he plays this character whose sister has a child and he can't live within so many feet of the schools and all that stuff. But you can see it was probably the, the best movie that I've ever seen that depicts someone who's really struggling internally with it. Um, so to answer your question, I think it's hardwired, but I also feel like it's a strong struggle. And there are people who are, are I don't want to say gifted, but who are, um, who are open more open than I, for sure, in working with those individuals. Would you
4: say the like as a fair assessment? Like it's still debated in the field, like the ability of rehabilitation, or is it?
3: Yeah, it, yeah, it is exactly. a strong so debate. So it's like there's
4: yeah. there's obvious people on both sides of the camp. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: absolutely. So yeah, I remember like <laughs> this is stupid, but I remember I forgot it was twenty twenty or date. I don't even know what the difference between the two is. I don't have cable, but Lisa Ling did a whole thing where they like put all these folks on an island, and it was do they get rehabilitated? Is this something? like they try to answer this, right. and there is no answer. There's no. It's, it's like breastfeeding. Is this well, better or like not? Like, we they're don't know. They're obviously, like,
4: research examples where they find someone who is, right? Yeah. And then they find someone, you know, like, whatever the twin examples are always using in these studies where they both ended up exactly the same, Well, mm-hmm. there's ones who, you know, bucked that trend. Like, there's there's no, it doesn't seem like there's a 100% answer, at least yet, right? Like, um, everyone thinks they have the answer, but right. both camps do. But no least. one really
3: knows. No yeah, one really exactly. knows no for knows sure because sure. there's no real definitive study about it. Um, I think... Again, my heart hurts for those folks. I'm not the person. I have three children. I can't do it. Yeah. Because I can't look at you and then sit there and go, what would you do with my kid? Like, I, yeah. I just can't. I'm no, not physically capable or mentally capable of doing it.
0: I think that's a really good point. Like- yeah. So. Oh, my bad. Um, pass on the cheese. You wants some cheese? So, I, and I think part of the reason, well, I mean, in our, in our roles, like we, in the jobs that, that we do, um, we work with a lot of individuals that deal with uh, post-traumatic stress and, and maybe have some uh, mental health issues. And, uh, like, it's really, as far as, like, the public, like, at least for me, like, I'm a basketball fan, so there's been a couple of NBA players that have come out mm-hmm. talking about, their struggles with mental health and how they went to seek therapy, and it's kind of it's kind of put in a different light, at least from the sports world, right? Because they talk about taking care of their bodies, and we talk about like take care of your mind the way that you take care of your body and whatnot. W- what do you see like as the future of of mental health and how we approach this?
4: As like a society?
0: Yeah. Okay. Mm. Wow. Because so I- to like so we're talking about like being transparent and vulnerable like is it going to be more accessible to people is it like things like that
3: it's always accessible it's whether or not someone chooses to access it right is it accessible to everybody so you there was a so,
4: so for instance you talk about socioeconomic barriers
3: it's like, absolutely accessible right no, it's, it's it's a lot more challenging um and the lower socioeconomic status to find that uh-huh. but you got to be willing to reach out for it and someone's going to help you find it because honestly it's our ethical duty to do so okay all right so but then the other piece is I think everybody would benefit from seeing someone at some point in their life because let's be real, no one's perfect or we wouldn't continue to grow as we do as a society. Hopefully we grow. I don't know, right now it feels like we're, we're going backwards a lot these mm-hmm. days, um, right. but I won't get into that. It's it just, um, but hopefully we continue to grow as a society and we all continue to reach out and we continue to be a more kind and caring society who gives a shit and we form human connection and we lean in to understand our differences and where everybody's coming from. So that was a really broad, like, Almost PC, but I didn't mean it, it to be was. PC. Yeah,
0: no, no, I want you to not be PC. Okay,
3: cool, because I didn't mean it to be. That's yeah, truly how I feel. Okay. Like <laughs> everybody should get it. Everybody should go for more than two sessions, like, Jason.
0: Outside of very current. <laughs> oh, <love and> <laughs> if, this, if this was a a, 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 po- a boxing stat right now, yeah. like my entire right side would be red bunch of from lines. yeah. <laughs>
3: It's just strong encouragement. So, like,
4: <laughs> outside of like very current, cir- you know, circumstances, like as a society, mm-hmm. given our trajectory, what's the biggest hurdle to that right now?
0: Mm-hmm. Funding. Mm-hmm. Funding. She says. So,
3: who this is an unpopular answer, especially for a population that I work with a lot. Um, every time we go to war, the funding for mental health gets cut. Every time. I.
0: Go deeper.
3: Unpack that some more. Ooh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, unpack a little bit more. Like, what do? You, well, the every pro- time
0: do you say every time we go programs, to war, the funding like, for yeah yeah.
3: So mm-hmm. I've worked in the nonprofit world for a bajillion years. Actually, I've never worked for a private sector. Um, and every time we have gone to war, no matter what war, the funding for mental health services and nonprofit gets cut. Whether it's domestic violence, whether it's county mental health, whatever it is, it gets cut. And the money goes to war. Which doesn't, like my personal opinion is not in there, right? I'm just telling you this is how it is. No, no yeah. Yeah, so.
0: So I guess. I guess so I guess when i when I ask the question of like where do you see mental health the in the future and and how we can actually uh, how people can actually seek it out and how much more prevalent it is and how much more we talk about it and and. Things like that, like you talk about NBA players and all these athletes now coming out to talk talk about uh, you know the issues and challenges that they've had with with regards to mental health. Do you can you envision us putting like not cutting mental health funds and like?
3: So, so I don't know if I can envision that. That would be amazing. That's like a dream.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, what I will say is the more and more we all as human beings have the conversation with each other, the um, less stigma is attached to it. It's like suicide. Everybody's afraid to ask about it or talk about it. It's there, it exists. So the more we bring it up like, hey, I've felt like I wanted to commit suicide a few times in life. And then the next person goes, you know what, I have too. And the next person goes, I have too. It normalizes the situation, which for mental health is incredibly important. So if you're like, hey, I've been in therapy because I'm not in touch with my feelings. Um, or I experienced this as a child and it was really awful and I'm trying to work through it as an adult, like the more and more that happens and the next person goes, oh, or, I mean, another example is you you hear this all the time about new moms. It's like, oh, it's so wonderful to be a mom and this is amazing and to have babies is great. All right, but let's be real. It's not great. You're waking up at 2 in the morning. Like, it's not always rainbows and unicorns, and it just is, it not like that. So the more real people are and more willing people are to have the conversation, the more open people will be to mental health.
4: And so you think by increasing or maintaining enough funding for it to be more accessible, we help do that because people are getting help yes. at an easier rate? Cool. Yes. So I just wanted to make sure I was making that. That connection was there for me. Yeah. I that. I was making it
3: yeah. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, it, the more funding there is than then, uh, programs that are funded by states or national, federal stuff, right? They don't lose therapists. They don't lose people who are there to help others who have a lower lower socioeconomic status than those who can just pay you outright in cash or use insurance.
1: So I think in the last episode, we spoke about like the whole stigma of mental health and therapy and, and the whole bit. What do you think can be done to kind of lessen that stigma to where people would be more more opt to go to seek therapy and get help? Or is it just random?
3: No, I think it's, again, it's more conversation. Hey, Jeff, I'm seeing a therapist. You know why? Because I had this issue when I was younger, and this is what happened to me. Oh, it happened to you too? Again, it's Hmm. a normalization. It's it's why there are... um, yeah. It, it, normalization is huge. It's why when we work with a veteran population, they get together in a room and they don't have to say anything. They just know. It's, it's an understood thing. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with moms who are fried and they get together in a room they know or people who are uh, really successful career oriented people. It's when they get scared to be and they start the comparison game. Oh, I bet their life is better than mine because they look like they completely have it together when that person doesn't speak up and say like, hey, I may look like I have it together, but the inside, I'm a total mess. Like I'm super nervous, I'm anxious, I'm gonna speak fast, I'm gonna stutter over my words. That makes it harder.
1: I think that there is like record numbers of kids like 12, 13, 14, 15 who have uh, been taking their lives. Yeah. And personally, I think uh, a bunch of it to due to, let's say, bullying on social media. Uh, I know when I was a kid, I got bullied, but there was no social media. So it would be, I get bullied at school, but then I come home, and there's nothing until the next day. And with these kids in this generation, it's 24-7 because it's just on social media and posting and stuff. Do you think it's almost... I'm trying to understand like why so many young kids at that age are taking their lives you know I'm sure that there's a lot of pain and stuff that they're going through but for them just to at that age say this is the way and I know that at any age it's tough right I guess I just wanted everybody's thoughts on possibly why you think that there's almost like an epidemic of these young kids taking their lives so young.
3: There's a couple of things with the age of social media and texting. We don't ever have to, well, here's an example. We're all old enough. We all had to break up with someone in person. So we had to mm, see, yeah, okay, well, whatever days. young people,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but we, whatever, here's a note. But we had to see their, we had to see what it did to them, their body language, their facial expression. Like it's crushing. It doesn't feel good. And when you're young, you don't know yet that your self-acceptance—sorry—has to come from here, like internally. It's not an external thing. And so sometimes, if you're never taught that that it comes, that it should be internal, that it all is external, you seek it. Now we have social media. I, no shit, have had grown people say to me, "You didn't like my status." I'm, I'm sorry, I was busy. Wow. But you didn't like my status, and are you mad at me? Jeez. No, I'm—I'm I'm not mad at you. I'm sorry. I haven't been on Facebook today. I've had a crazy day. I apologize. It's nothing against you. So if this is, if if these are grown adults who are saying this, imagine how kids are. And so even my own children who are 16, 12 and eight, right? The eight year old doesn't have social media, but the, the 16, the 12 year old, Hey mom, I need you to like my Instagram. Why? Who cares? No one cares what your mom thinks. Right. No, I need you to like it. Cause I need this many likes or I need this many streaks. I don't even know what streaks are. I don't Ugh. do Snapchat. I hate that crap. Right. Sorry, Jason, but I, um,
1: <laughs> I don't
3: like, it. you know why it's actually a parent thing. I don't like it because I can't see what they're doing on it. Like with your, when in my house, we pay for a phone, right? I can't stand. we pay for a phone and therefore I have access to everything you do, but Snapchat, I can still log in with your thing, but I can't see what you did. And it drives me crazy. But I can see what your title groups are. Lincoln's inappropriate. Right. Not gonna work. Anyway, so all that aside, self acceptance is sought outside versus here. And so I'm gonna stop it there. And you guys go for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Cato, yes.
3: No. She should have
1: gone last. (laughs) As the youngest person in the room. (laughs) No. um,
2: I think the epidemic of suicide, as you put it, for younger like teens. I think it's like a multifaceted approach, I think, yeah, like, so when you're bullied in the past, it was not the same as being bullied now, and it's not to downplay the level of bullying that happens, because I think if you're bullied to that extent where, let's say somebody in the past was bullied to the point where they would commit suicide, right? It's heavily weighing on their mind. It's to that same level in today's world. Like, they probably, if they're bullied to that point, they're probably not going on social media, and it's still weighing on their mind just as heavy. It could be, and that's just, like, exacerbating the fact. So I don't think that that's directly a catalyst. Um, I think maybe the amount of it that's happening like kind of snowballed into making other people think it's okay to happen. And I think that there are just like obviously there are more people in the world there are more people in there so i don't know if there's a direct link to the amount of people that committed suicide 20 years ago at that age range and now we're at this population so it's the same statistic amount of it that's happening it's just a higher number because there's more people but i think it's just that kids don't think there's enough support around them as to why it's happening um but i want to hear what you got to say yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, I, I just
2: love how
0: like Amanda's in the mix now. She's like grabbing the microphone. She's like, yeah, I'm- Dude, I love it. Like, I want to talk yeah, about
4: this. Like, like, yeah, leaning in too. before it was like, and now she's like, all right. She's uh, like,
2: oh, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, elbows up. Let's do this. Uh, Let's go. Let's you talk. You know what it is
3: though? It's a more public forum. So when you're on social media and then someone else jumps into it, someone else jumps into mm-hmm. it, it's not just this person is bullying me. It's a group of people. How do you escape that? You have to face that every single day. And that takes yes. courage. That takes being brave. So does committing suicide, honestly. Because um, yeah. mm-hmm. that's really damn hard to do. Um, cool. But it, that takes a lot. And so when you feel like in your mind as a young person, the whole world is against you, that's really challenging to tackle. And it's all on social media. So you don't, you don't have the ability to look like five years later when you're in college or when you're out of that scene and go, oh, they're such idiots. These people, you know, whether they amount to anything or not, you, you, you just don't have the ability to think past yourself.
2: There's something that like, is it, this may sound a little morbid, but there's like, there's like a detail we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's like, we don't know. Like, so that person who did that, we don't know if how often they were looking at their social media. So maybe it's happening at school yeah. and it's happening a little bit of social media. And as those 50 comments roll in, they've already logged off. Yeah. We don't know if they're actually seeing all that content. So we, we have no way to know if it's actually because of that, because it could be so like, let's go back to like the predator things. There are plenty of situations where people are just scumbag pieces of shit. And there's also plenty of situations where someone became infatuated with their younger daughter or like their daughter because of a tumor that's in their brain. And that caused them to have that. And they found the tumor and now they no longer have sexual attraction to a child. So we know that as well. Mm. So we don't know what that, that catalyst of suicide was. And most of the times we don't know. You're so, right. Like, to me, it, it's not just because of social media. I think there's more to it than that. And I think it's more in part of the people around that person. Because whether that person has friends, sits alone at the lunch table, eats in a bathroom stall alone, there are plenty of fucking people around them that could have saw that happen. So to me, it's not about, it's, yeah, bullying sucks. Bullying shouldn't happen. Social media like crushing shouldn't happen like that. But there should have been somebody around them that stopped that. And I think more people should take accountability for that around them. And every person at school should feel like shit about it.
3: That comes back to human connection, though. Yeah. That comes back to really paying attention and seeking to understand versus you're different than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and leaning in. Like, so we could sit here and have a political conversation, right? And you yeah. could be on opposite ends. I suspect you're not. But we could, you could be <laughs> on opposite ends of me, right? And, and I could sit here and be like blah, 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 and judge the hell out of you instead of, of saying, how do understand where you're coming from? And then you tell me where you came from and why it is it you feel so strongly. I'm like, oh, I get it. We do not do that as a society, and mm. we do not teach our children to do that.
2: So, 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 so yeah. So I have a question. I also like, or I'll start with the question. So, what do you think? So, in today's world, like, we have in people who should not have a voice, just in general because of their intellectualness, whatever it may be, have a Caucasians. voice now.
3: Uh-huh. The Caucasians. No, 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 the, no, the
2: Kardashians. Oh, <laughs> not the white people, no. <laughs> because of social media, there's people who have like 20,000, 100,000 followers. Because they're pretty, because they went on travels, because of whatever it is, they have an actual voice that affects people around them in such a way that if if they post, oh, I'm getting this, this whatever, this chocolate bar is, everyone's going to buy that chocolate bar. Yeah. What do you think that they can do, like on a granular, like possible level to... Affect in a positive way mental health do you think it'd be like hey yo yo peeps what up snapchat? I got like therapy every Thursday. Uh-huh. I just got done. It was a great session I'm gonna go kill the gym like do you think that things like that would be beneficial? Because if they see these prominent people and there's tons of them there's people in schools There's kids in high school mm-hmm. who are like making like six figures because they're influence on social media on
3: YouTube Yeah, yeah. Like,
2: what what can they do to directly affect? The mental health industry, because if we've seen from I don't know how many decades of mental health that we've had that it's been defunded, people haven't got the results they need, people, there's a taboos against it. But kids to these days, kids these days, they have a voice stronger than any other generation as far as a select sect of group goes. Mm -hmm. What can they do?
3: Again, have the conversation. I'm in therapy. I'm in therapy because of this. Don't be afraid of it. Be transparent about what you're doing. The more people talk about it, just like suicide, the more people talk about it, the more normal, in quotes, because no one can see me and I'm quoting, the more normal (laughs) it becomes for everybody else. It normalizes the situation and people go, oh, well, so-and-so on YouTube, my eight-year-old's a big YouTuber, right? She's always on there trying to do something. And she comes back and she repeats all this stuff. I'm like, first of all, you shouldn't know that, but we're cool. We'll work through it. Um, But if, if she's watching that and she's feeling sad about someone saying something to her. And she sees that this person had that same experience and this is what they did. And it wasn't suicide as an option or it it wasn't ignoring your feelings. It was, hey, I went to see a therapist and I talked about it. Or I felt really sad and I felt like I thought I wanted to kill myself. And then someone stepped in and said, this is not an option for you. This is what we're going to do instead. Yes. That's the answer. Do you
2: think it should be
3: cool to be like, hashtag, I went to therapy? Yes. Hell yes. Uh, Thank you, job security. Uh, But
1: yes. (laughs) 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 So... I mentioned the word epidemic before, but it seems like there's an epidemic of school shootings. Mm. And personally, I really don't think that there's anything that can be done to prevent them, right? No. Somebody who has an issue can just walk right in and do whatever. Mm -hmm. So I remember that I was talking to a couple of people, and we were talking about how if the guidance counselors or the school kind of got more involved with the kids at a younger age so that they could possibly spot stuff a little quicker. Um, I mean, I really don't know. You know, I know from my kids that, like, their guidance counselor has, like, a 100 kids to deal with, and they're totally overwhelmed. and. You know it's a week and a half to get a call back from them because they have so much stuff going on Um, do you think that that's even feasible like for the school let's say therapists or guidance counselors to be able to get more involved to kind of spot something and maybe treat something
4: I mean, I think it gets back to, like, kind of what Amanda was saying earlier. It's this idea of funding and accessibility, right? Um, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Not to, like, cut off, but, like, it just seemed like a good point. You
3: didn't to, cut me off at all.
4: Like, <laughs> um, apparently we do that around here. Um, just to kind of, like, absorb what you were talking about. I mean, it, you, you had some key words there about being, you know, they're overworked. They didn't have time to reach with them. If programs and things are properly funded in a way that there are... There is enough bandwidth for them to see them to take in when someone reports something to them. Say, yeah, I'll get to it, and it's just a post-it note on their desk. I mean, I think that's not that funding fixes everything, but I think that's a big key if the problem is like accessibility, right? If that's one of the key things that people report to being an issue at the time, like, oh yeah, he was on my to-do list. Like, well, that sounds like you're overworked to me, right? Like, um, not that it's an individual's fault by any means. It's just a inherent flaw in the structure of the system.
1: Kind of like the classic going to like social workers how they have like 40 different cases, mm-hmm. you know, and there are kids that get, that fall through the cracks because of that.
3: You so know. you heard the phrase, it takes a village. Yep. Um, we all need to pay attention. It's not just the school guidance counselor, because like Brian said, it's a funding issue. We, we don't have that many in the county we live in. It's a pretty affluent county, right? There's just not that many. Right. Um, but we all need to pay attention. I think there was something on Facebook about a teacher who, and it could be like a total BS, I don't know, right? But there was a thing on, on Facebook about a teacher who pays attention to the kids who don't have friends, who are all alone by themselves in a room, and they address it. We all need to pay attention as parents, as friends of people who are parents, as um, school professionals, whatever.
4: Yeah, and I think that comes along with just kind of that root thing that you're talking about is like when it's normalized and people are willing to have the conversations and more aware. Or like Even if someone is getting bullied or whatever the potential cause is, the people who are not a part of it are more aware and willing to engage in the discussion.
3: Right, talking to your kids, when, they're, when you hear them say something mean, hey, do you recognize what it feels like to have that said to you? Yeah. All right, what is it? like Addressing it, not just, oh yeah, 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 I do. Okay, what does it feel like? Mm-hmm. What does it really do to your body on the inside? Um, all right, that's what you're doing to another person. How does that feel for you now?
0: There's a lot of knowledge bombs getting dropped tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know that uh, I feel like we can talk to Amanda, like, at great length about a lot of things. Um, and I know that we've been talking for a good bit of time now. And um, I think that it's, there's so much value. And there's so much more to unpack, too. Right? There, there's so many different... Uh, approaches that um, I mean there's just so many different things that, like I don't there's a lot that we can talk about when it comes to mental health and um, putting it on the forefront and hashtags that we can create and all of that stuff um, but, <laughs> taking over social media yeah taking over social media uh, and I mean I mean for time's sake I don't want to keep Amanda here all night Um and we can definitely have her back on some shows. Like, I feel like yep. she's a part, a part of the crew now. The therapist. Um, <laughs> the therapist. The therapist. Once a month. Are we going to have therapy once a month here on Beauty and the Beast mode? <laughs> Amanda's Couch. That a yeah. yeah, nice. yeah Amanda. That's your own podcast. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's your own, not your own, your own podcast, sister. Is this episode called Amanda's Couch? Yeah, and now it is. Now it is. Now it is. Now, it
1: is. <laughs> now it is. I thought it was when she wants the cheese. <laughs> um, now <laughs> hey, let, it is Let, for let sure. me ask you something. So other than therapist and other stuff that you do, yeah. what would be kind of like, hey, I wanna do that like career job wise? Like is there anything that you always were like, damn, I would love to do that?
3: Oh that's yeah, I don't really know the answer to that. I love This is going to sound so cheesy. But I really love building cohesive teams um, and helping people figure out what they want to be in life and getting there. So and then aside from that, like my super easy answer is my favorite job in the whole world that I've ever had was waiting tables.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah,
3: I loved waiting tables. I would do it in a heartbeat. Like I, I have no shame. Like I will wait tables anytime you ask me to, or anytime I've been told I've been fired what from is a job. What's it about waiting tables? I love meeting new people, oh. and it's constant, right? So yeah. I, I love that and, and talking and networking. So that's my thing. I'm cool with that.
1: Hmm. Even like, have you ever dealt with like, what about like jerky customers?
3: It's my favorite. I eat tables. I control how your food gets to your table. Nice. Whether it's clean or not. (laughs) Make sure my finger. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The Therapist. How would you feel (laughs)
0: if somebody put their finger in your food? I would
3: be But I never let people box my food for me. Ever. Uh Because I know what happens in the back. Oh, come on. Now, where Uh are you taking us? I know. I don't ever let them box my food. And I'm always super sweet in a restaurant. Always. I mean, that's a rare moment that I'm super sweet, right? Uh But in a restaurant, I'm super sweet. So,
0: what did we just? <laughs> we just open up a can of worms.
1: Can you tell can you our audience one thing, not like a secret, but Ooh. one thing that maybe not many people know about you?
3: Uh, um, I have no idea. All right. Like I said, I'm pretty transparent, so Many it's people, people know you. Right. No, I know that's hard. Um, there are a whole bunch of things that maybe I, I don't know. Um, I always resort to. I really love to run, but I also love to eat and drink. Nice. So it's it's not really a healthy
1: balance.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yep,
3: I a way to mix the two. Yep. It's working. It's not working for me right now, but I'm working on it.
1: Uh, if there's one thing that you could say to anybody that's listening Mm -hmm. who maybe needs therapy or has been putting it off or you know or only went to two (laughs) sessions and think they're good um like what would you say to them to kind of maybe give them a little boost that they might need to
3: yeah that's easy and this is not ego speaking. Call me. Let's chat. Let's see where you are. And I'll hook you up with someone, whether it's me or someone else. It doesn't matter. I'm not, I'm, I am i am i do not need more business. I'm good. I'm solid, but mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to help you figure out what that is. And it may not be a therapist in that moment. Um, it may just be a solid friend or someone saying like, Hey, stop. You're spinning. So. Okay.
0: How did you know that it was time for you to open up your own thing?
3: I I go back and forth. Um, so I really love the clinical aspect of therapy and uh, found that I was missing it. And so um, in my full-time gig, I get the opportunity to lead an amazing group of people. And while it's really exciting, and I love it, and it's challenging, and it's full of drama sometimes, um, I really like helping people feel empowered. And therapy sometimes is a much quicker way to do that. That's very self-serving.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I feel like we need that. Like we need those things that, I mean, yeah. that, that fill you up. Yeah, exactly. Um, dang it, Amanda! What was I going to say next? Jeff. What? How does it? I mean, you talked about empowering people, and and you know. Helping people get through their challenges and whatnot. Um, what, like, what drives you? Like, what, what are, how do you cope with? Oh, oh, yeah, let's get to it now. Ah. <laughs> Thankfully, we're deep into this. Yeah, yeah,
1: There's
3: yeah. not a lot of time.
0: Left.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> how, how do you apply these techniques for yourself personally? Like, what, what works best? If you could share, like, what works best for you? What are some techniques, some, some tangible things that you could tell individuals that might, you know, maybe they, maybe they don't need or they don't full-on need to go to therapy for however many sessions, but they want something tangible that they can take away from this and put into practice. All right,
4: maybe they want some proof that this pays off, so let's hear something about get some more.
3: Yep, just be present in the moment. And if you're not capable of being present, then figure out how to be present. So that may be some form of mindfulness, whether it's yoga, or if you're a runner, or um, if you're straight up meditation with, the whatever. um whatever. But some breathing, or box breathing for you veterans out there, like, um, box breathing. Army teaches you box breathing. Breathe in for two, hold for two, breathe out for two, hold for two, so it's just oh, like No, it's, it's box, it's uh, box. Uh, um, missing it, side. So. <laughs> 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 breathe in. Hold, hold breathe out, hold, makes it square. Box breathing. So it's really meditation, but they call it box breathing in the army to make it less uh, of an issue, I guess. I don't know, anyway. um, So meditation, um, doing what makes you smile for at least 30 seconds a day, you have to do that every day. So whatever that is, self-care.
0: Doing what makes you smile, Mm -hmm. give us an example.
3: So for me, it's I just need to hear my kids laugh. And that's it. That'll make me smile every single day. Even when they're driving me crazy, if they just laugh, that does it for me. And so if I'm super anxious about something, I can visualize them smiling. Um, another option is getting out on the water. I paddleboard. So, paddleboarding, I'm out there by myself, or my kids are with me all the time, and I can hear them laughing, and that helps. So, anything that brings some sort of peace or joy but people really make it a big deal like oh it's got to be a bath time for an hour with candles and light no mm-hmm. it doesn't it has to be something for 30 seconds of your life it just makes you smile even if it's the moment where you are the driver of the car and you've loaded everybody in and you shut, you shut the passenger door and you walk over to the driver's side those few seconds of solitude mm-hmm. are amazing
1: mm-hmm.
3: let that be the let, recognize it mm-hmm. if you're present enough to recognize it then that's where you need to be yeah.
1: I've-
0: yeah, I, I like what you said. I mean, I liked all of that. Um, but I think the recognizing it is, is what really stood out to me. Yeah, that self-awareness of that, okay, I'm about to walk around this vehicle, and I need to take this time to take a few breaths, to just kind of let everything settle before I get back into this vehicle. Or this is, this is my zen moment. This is my free time right now. I need to breathe in and enjoy this walk around the car. Kind of thing so that recognizing it, yes, ma'am.
3: The formal name is grounding yourself,
0: <laughs> boom knowledge bomb. And I that's I love that you said grounding yourself, right? So, I uh, I was doing some sessions recently, doing some work, and the way that I opened up these sessions um, with this group that I was working with is I started by telling them uh, my name, and then I said. I have a daughter that's getting ready to graduate high school, and I love chocolate chip cookies, right? Because to me, that was helping me level set and ground myself and center myself in that moment and have the confidence to deliver the rest of the session, because I was thinking about my daughter graduating high school, and I was thinking about those chocolate chip cookies. So I love that you said grounding yourself and identifying and recalling those things that help you ground yourself. yeah, I
1: like that a lot. Actually, it gave me a chill when you said that. Like, that's my takeaway. Today. Talking about chocolate cookies? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, you know, some people like, I need to go on a vacation and, and to get away and all these big things, like you said, a bath with candles and wine and for an hour. And, you know, you really do only need a few minutes, you know, by yourself somewhere. There are days when I get to work and... The sun is at like a perfect point and the beautiful clouds and all the stuff and I just stand there for like a minute and just look at it. You know? But it's like, that's my moment. I go on my back patio, you know, and watch a sunrise and just those little things. So, so. this has been some kind of
0: session, huh? I gotta go ice my
1: ribs. Um, Speaking of sessions...
3: <laughs>
1: You're back for more, right?
0: Session three. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Amanda's Couch once a month here on Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, plug uh, Amanda's Couch. But listen, we're going to go into producing and pro- to production mode here. And the professor is going to have his own podcast. That's right. Amanda's going to have her own podcast. Cody the Caterer is going to have his own podcast. All underneath Beauty and the Beast mode productions, right? Beauty and the Beast yeah, mode right. entertainment. We're gonna, this see. is LLC, you We're going to be like Nerdist, this, right? Exactly. This is how it starts right here. Let's we'll try it. So uh, understand, uh, this is, hey, this is the beginning. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready, no doubt. No doubt about it. You think I'm bullshitting. I'm serious.
2: He's serious, y'all. Damn, people. Um, he
0: means it. He's pissed. <laughs> With fire uh,
2: voice.
0: So this a lot of great content in this episode mm-hmm. yep. um and amanda we appreciate you showing up and and breaking bread with us and um sharing some laughter and and really just giving a lot of formality to the informal discussion that we had around mental health and uh yeah. some of those things you know and um helping our audience understand a little bit better about the resources that are available and. And how they can seek those things out, um, and why it's important. Uh, so, thank you. Oh, it's thank amazing. You. We're gonna have you back, and we, you're gonna. We're gonna start your own podcast. We're gonna start Cody's <laughs> podcast. We're gonna start for Professor's real? podcast. Uh, that's this real talk. I mean, everything's real talk. But I just felt like hashtag I need to say start, hashtag real talk. hashtag
1: hashtag We mean it for hashtag real. hashtag
0: We all went to therapy. Uh, <laughs> 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 but Big Jeff. This This is well before we get there because I know you have so you have to find your stuff, oh, oh, right? Yep, because as always, as always, uh, I want to throw it to the caterer and to the professor and kind of get their takeaways, yeah, um, from this episode. Uh,
2: Me, all right, um, I think for me, uh, as somebody who constantly like I find the brain fascinating, I'm always trying to find new ways to like hack myself and get better, but. I think that there's always more to learn. There's always more to do. There's always ways to self-improve. There's always like multiple sides to it, and that even if I think that I found like the best way to do it, that there's like a whole like ocean of other factors at play, regardless of what's in my own mind. Um, and I think that I'm gonna try and like, just bring more awareness to what's happening and more awareness mm-hmm. to like, if I'm feeling a certain way to make it feel okay, even if I'm really down, like I have down days. I think I'm a pretty like positive person, but I have shit days mm-hmm. and I think it's okay to feel shitty. And I think that's something that like really positive people when they have a really bad day, people are like, oh, why are you like down today? What's going on with you? What's wrong? I'm like, that's mm-hmm. fucked up. So for me, I think I'm just gonna try and bring more awareness mm-hmm. to mental health. And I think that's my takeaway.
0: I appreciate that, Professor. This is Professor's points. Is that what this is? I don't this want to get is, called up again later. Yeah, yeah. Cater,
2: yeah, yeah. like
4: we're
0: gonna we're gonna come up with something for you and, and no. I just want to make it keep in mind. Using it now and then later this you're is, gonna come
4: back to me and I wouldn't have anything This is left. Professor's like,
0: points and this is gonna be a segment on your podcast. So no, I'm just Professor's cause points. Like, yeah, I
4: used it. Or, anyways, um, the caterer cares. No, I think like <laughs> usually one of the things I uh, I I lean on is like communication, right? Because I think that's really important and we we hammered away on that. So I wanted to like. Kind of emphasize a different point, and I think that's that, uh, like therapy and a lot of this stuff that we talked about. It's about like this this idea of personal improvement. And sometimes we get hung up on this idea that we're like, oh, we're good, we're 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 at we're done, right? And like, it's it was interesting to hear Amanda say things. Where it's this this idea about like life's a journey about constant self improvement, right? Like striving towards goals. Like you never really achieve goals, right? Like if your goal, or sorry, not goals, values. Um, like if one of your values is to be a good father, right? It's I'm a good father, I get to stop being a good father, right? And it's just keeping that in mind, remembering that there are all these different things, like whether it's therapy or having an awesome support network, or it's a continuous journey of self-growth and like awareness and realization, all these different things. And that's, you know, this is one of many things that can help you on that. Mm-hmm. So that would be my...
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, uh, I would say that when um, we were talking about, and I think we talked about like, starting and stopping therapy a few times and, you know, going once or twice. and, and it, But when she talked about, you know, people being there and, like, even if I'm not going to therapy, I'm probably having a conversation with somebody that mm-hmm. is where I'm getting things off my chest and they're listening and, you know what I mean, that could not, maybe not a formal in a formal sense, but that's, you know, you getting stuff off your chest and you opening up and you being vulnerable. And I think that moments like that where you can recognize that, wow, I am being vulnerable here, and how can, like, how can I direct this to a different platform? Because I I feel in a way, like, if I'm, I don't want to put the burden, I don't think we talked about this before, like, putting that burden on somebody else when you're having that conversation, you're opening up and everything, like, that person is taking some of that stuff on now, and they're, and if they're not a therapist in a professional sense, like, some, like, like, when I, I think we talked about it like our brothers, right?
1: Yeah. We went to Remember? our brothers and my brother <laughs> was right. like,
0: my brother's like, yo, you need to go
4: talk to somebody. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, no, it's, I think Amanda, like she referenced grad school and things that she was taught and tools that she has. She's a professional, right? Like she mm-hmm. she has a way of absorbing that and being able to take that in. Whereas like as much as our loved ones and other people like want to help us, they don't, they're not always equipped with not necessarily just to help us, but for them to carry that, that extra weight themselves, right? Like, yeah. And it's not a reason not to share, but it's also one of the things to keep in mind on how much we're diving
0: mm-hmm. into. Amanda, uh, so you, you talked about some tangible items that people can take away, but uh, what uh, one or two takeaways for you from this entire session and the conversation that you had with us, things that, that you learned or any additional thoughts that you want to share before we go to... Jeff's joint. <laughs> this,
1: this um, <laughs> um,
3: again, I think the importance of being real about what you're going through in the moment and where you really are versus where you would like to be um, and being open to being open to your own feelings and having a conversation.
0: Very good, being open to your own feelings.
1: Yeah, we go to beast mode moment first, or Jeff's joint. Always beast mode moment you
0: first. sure, man? Yeah.
1: Positive. I've been doing Whoa, this okay. podcast for two years just, with I you. I wow! Jeez, the yes. wine.
0: Yes. Yes. yes, two years.
1: The wine went right to his friggin' head. I did two years over here.
0: All right, so uh ladies
1: and gentlemen.
0: I want a different voice, bro. Can you do a different voice? Do like, uh, do like, uh, like a rom com. Do like a rom com. Or someone who wears
1: open toe shoes. What? A man wearing open shoes. Hey, everybody! I just wanted to welcome you to the Beast Mode Moment with Ye Martinez, <laughs> brought to you by Team Grasshopper. Do you like my shoes? <laughs> Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is Beast Mode Moment, brought to you by Team Grasshopper.
0: Today's Beast Mode Moment, um, I feel like it it fits the conversation that that we've had today. Um, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, getting punched in the ribs continuously throughout this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Out of love. Out of Whoa. love, I appreciate it. Um, and maybe, like, there could be that sense of apprehension when it comes to some of the stuff that we talked about may be harder for some people than others, um, that, that vulnerability is, is difficult in, in a lot of situations, at least in my situation, you know. So, the beast mode moment is if you do it for nothing else, then just do it based off of curiosity alone. Surprise yourself. Self-discovery is all about jumping into the unknown and seeing where we land. So, I felt like it weaves into our discussion today, especially for me personally, um, and stepping into that and having you know maybe deflected or or put it off for a while, and and understanding that I probably had to go to the professional route and speak to somebody, um, and being curious about what they would tell me and and what um, what what I would walk away with. Um, from those sessions um, but I mean if you don't do it for anything else you know do it because you're curious about what could happen and how much better you could get or things that you can take away from it you know And um, but if you don't know or if you don't go then you don't know right um, and you don't know what then you must have quit yeah okay well, Amanda says, do it for the ones that are, uh, that are around you and who love you and uh, who are telling you. And I agree with that as well. And I will say that now, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the point in this show wait, where... Wait one sec. Oh, come on, man. <laughs>
1: so No, no, no. So, like you just said, do it for the ones who love you. Do you think, kind of like quitting smoking, right? couldn't smoke and the person has to do it for themselves so in like a therapy setting he's like get me out of this no but in like a therapy type setting um we're talking about mental health do you think that somebody can do it for somebody else, or they really have to do it for Sometimes themselves?
3: Sometimes it's their motivation. So my husband's going to hate me for this. Ooh. Hate me. Get that Ooh. mic a little closer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but he needed it. And so I went in with him. And then the therapist was like, oh, okay, well, what are we going to work on as a couple? I was like, no, 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 it's not for me. It's for him. And I left. Um, but he says it's the best thing that ever happened to him. There was a fear of going to a therapist. So sometimes the person who loves you the most can see something that you can't. And sometimes that's the motivation. Now, if we're talking substance abuse, that's a little different, right? Like that, that's got to be a self thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but your loved ones are watching and your loved ones give a shit. And they're telling you, hey, you might need this. Listen to them. If you're open to it, listen to them.
1: Nice.
0: Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the point of the show where Big Jeff, even though we have sounds, Cody's still doing sounds.
1: Um,
0: with his mouth. Uh, but we've come to that point in the episode where Big Jeff um, takes everything that he's heard throughout this entire um, session. I feel like we can call it a session today. <laughs> um, and he ties it up um, through song because, you know, his heart, his heart has been in music for all of his life, uh, played in rock bands. New York, big big uh, contests with his band out there, winning all kind of stuff, and he's still practicing the trombone, from what I understand. What? Trumpet. That was Trumpet, a different.
3: Trumpet there's, a there's a difference.
1: You don't care. There's, there's... You don't care
0: about me. What <laughs> 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 is he? What is he? Is he? We'll talk about that next time, ladies and gentlemen. Here it is, Jeff's joint. <laughs>
1: Tell us about it, Jeff. So, first off, I love that song. It's Tracy Chapman, Fast Car. And I've loved it forever since it came out. Forever. When <laughs> it came out, I just, it blew my mind. Um, but if you, obviously that little part, you know, she's talking about the whole song about Her getting out of the situation that she's in and all the things that she had to do for other people, but she didn't do for herself. Um, And then just wanting to get out of the situation. But if you listen to the end of those lyrics, uh, you know, I thought that I could be someone, you know, uh, she thinks that she could belong. I I just equate it to what we were talking about and and the struggle that some people may have of taking that step to go seek help. You know, uh, people who are caring for other people who need to take a step back and start caring for themselves. Uh, So it just resonated with me. Very good. Well, I got a... I gotta thank the therapist Amanda Payne for being on, for real, because you know it was. We've done a lot of we call it faces in the crowd when peeps come on and we kind of just have a chat with them. But you brought up so many good things and it just touched me that you know so you said since <laughs> that was Cody under the table, um, but you know. To know at nine years old, a child that you want to help others and just go that path throughout life and literally helping others is a beautiful thing. So, And you being open and, and honest and transparent, dropping bombs of knowledge here, uh, just I really appreciate it. So thank you.
3: Thank
1: you. Yay, yay. I mean, I second all of
0: that. And we're definitely going to have you back. Um, several times over, um, and we're going to start up that podcast, uh, Amanda's couch, <laughs> at some point. Amanda's man. couch. Amanda's couch. We don't have to do it here in, in Beauty and Beast Mode headquarters. We'll find a, a place to do your your podcast. Yeah, we can do it in your office. Yes. Nice. Yes. Yes. That is. That's going to start soon. Um, yeah. So, Big Jeff, for the professor, the caterer, the therapist, thank you so much for being here. Um, Until next time, brother. Until next time. Ladies and gentlemen, J.A. Martinez. This is Big Jeff. Until next time. Peace. See ya.